I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Oh, well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Gravity Lab Radio. I feel like I did that same introduction last time I sat in this seat. I don't think you did. No? And you sat in that seat. Oh, I guess this is the first time I've sat on this side. As a host. As a host, yeah. I guess I've sat here as a guest, but not as a host. Yeah. I was thinking about that uh, today, yesterday, whatever. But before we get to that, fuck you and fuck me. This is about AJ. Hey, you know what? It's the host's job to introduce the guests, and I'll do it when I want. So You want to put me in the seat? I'm going to run the show my way. Man, I, I learned this trick from this guy. Yeah, go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh. uh, AJ. AJ Ag- Aguirre. Yes. Hello. Who I have uh, called hello. mistakenly AJ Aguirre about a million times. It's cool. It's not the worst. So is that is that a common mispronunciation oh, of your yeah. name? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What else? What else do you get? Uh, a query. A query. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I read the G as a Q, I guess. Really? Uh, that's not just something like kids picked on you in school <laughs> with? No. Hey, here comes a query. <laughs> <laughs> no, good thing they didn't. All right, well, I'm going to start it now. You'll never live it down. So I often uh, bring it up on the podcast that I just like don't understand why people watch the show. And not in like a bad way that I think, you know, I guess... If I was, uh, especially if I was new to skydiving, I guess you could find a lot of uh, reasons to find entertaining. But I, I never really think about who our audience is, and I know that you're someone who watches the show or listens mm-hmm. to it at least. Oh yeah. And uh, to me, I like you're someone who I want to have listen to the podcast because you're. I know you're a new jumper. Mm-hmm. I know you're an amb- ambitious new jumper, mm-hmm. and you're also someone who uh, produces really quality content. So you're aware that there are far superior you know there are better products out there on oh, the yeah. internet right as far oh, yeah. as production quality goes and you listen to our show and so i find that very flattering yeah it's it's an awesome show well, it's so entertaining t- tell me what you like about it help me understand why people listen uh for me i really like listening to the badass guys talk about things because being at the drop zone like you want to be in those circles and it's like being able to get in those circles and listen to what y'all talk about and it's just cool and all the stories all that kind of stuff. Cool. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate the compliment. I would argue uh, your claims about being badasses, but I accept it <laughs> nonetheless. So DJ asked me a while back to think of people who I would uh, have like he, ha- he asked me to host some of the episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Which is why we're sitting here like this. And so I had to kind of brainstorm people who I thought would be good guests. And you were one of the first people that came to mind because we've had good conversations before where I've asked you, you know, about about cameras, about video. And you've always had really good responses that you're, you know, you're passionate about what you do. You're passionate about making videos. You're charismatic. You're not a terrible looking guy. Oh, so it, it takes a lot of the pressure off of me to be entertaining. I'm flattered. So, so that's why I wanted to uh, to have you on as, as one of my guests. So... Uh, you're not a terrible looking guy. They <laughs> <laughs> just slid that one right in there. He's good looking. Look at the man. I guess kind of backing. You're not a terrible looking guy. That's what you say to an ugly fellow. <laughs> no, that's what you say uh, to another straight man when you're acknowledging <laughs> him as handsome. 
That mustache is fucking handsome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Hey, not not many people have noticed it yet, so I'm glad you called it out. I said something to you uh, today at the DZ, but as I started to say it, I saw you were in a zone. You were going somewhere. I'm like, ah, uh-huh. I'll catch you later. Oh, okay. You were you, you had a work uh, got, you look know, going you on. You know that work face. Fuck yeah, dude. You got a job to do. Take care of business. Well, yes, I do have a mustache. Thank you for noticing. Epic fucking caterpillar on your lip, dude. It's going to get better, I think. Yeah. Uh, I introduced it to Sam the other day. She was out of town when I sculpted this masterpiece. So she uh, came home and I introduced the two of them and they've gotten, gotten along quite well so far. So we'll see if I can keep it going. Mm, so dirty. Do you ever have a mustache, AJ? Uh, yeah, once. Uh, whenever I went to NASCAR and then I <laughs> also shaved some racing stripes in my beard. Fuck yeah. yeah I grew it out for a while. NASCAR mustache with racing stripes. Tex would have been proud. Jesus. Uh, so I have notes because I do not have a good memory. We're going to see what I come up with. Oh, Round 3 Media. Mm. So this is your company, right? Yes. So uh, for anyone listening who knows nothing about Round 3, what is it? So Round 3 Media is a pr- production company that my buddy Ben Hamner and I started about two and a half years ago now. Uh, we He had a YouTube channel that was already doing pretty well, and so we started doing videos, and we... I like to think make cool different kinds of videos like action adventure type stuff, stuff that we think is cool, right? And uh, we do that. And then also we just make a lot of corporate videos for whoever needs videos. So, gosh, I'm going to jump way ahead. No, I'm not. What's it like to work with one of your friends? It's awesome. I love it. Ben's great. Oh, we got uh, Summer Dreams up there right now? I've been lucky enough to uh, work with someone that we just get along, you know? Do you guys ever butt heads as friends? No. Who's the boss? Both of us. Yeah? Yeah. You got to share that responsibility? Oh, yeah. So do you have a, a title on paper? Like uh, about, on paper. About your role in the company? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm president and co-founder. Okay. And what does his business card say? Uh, creative director and co-founder. President versus creative director. Yeah, you're the boss. Well, I'm just I'm not I'm the I guess you're the, older you're one. You're the older one. Yeah. How about ring there's leader? There's a there's like a four year difference between us. No, five. He's 21. You're the old man. Yep. And you're 26. Yep. 26. You're a very mature 26 year old. Oh, thank you. You got your shit together, my well, friend. Well, I'm trying to be right now because we're on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and everything on the internet has to be reputable, right? And no. legitimate. I'm just no. I'm trying to drink these beers as fast as I can. Just get them in, you man. Uh, so I, uh, I guess I asked about business with friends because I've been in business with friends mm-hmm. where the friendship was there before the business mm-hmm. and the business had a negative effect on the friendship. So is there anything you guys do to like, how do you guys get along? Is there any, do you guys have any processes of we communication just, or we just get along? Honestly. Yeah. It's um, just normal. Oh, oh no. Oh no. Well, thank you, DJ. We're bringing in the scotch for anyone not watching. Oh. Thank you, sir. I'll act like a man, like I don't need Coke with this. <laughs> you know, you're more of a man than I am because you are drinking something I have never in my life had. You knew, okay, that's where you and Ben are very similar in that y'all don't drink or anything. D- does he have a reason that he doesn't drink? Mm-mm. Just for him, it's... Is he a religious fella? Yeah, but I wouldn't, like his brothers, he has two older brothers and I mean, they drink, but for Ben, it's just straight edge, but it works really well for him. It's it's like admirable. So he would was he would he call himself straight edge? Would he say that? No. Okay. No. Okay. Because I want I don't know if you know much about what straight edge is, 
like the word straight edge. Oh. <laughs> like it's like especially in Salt Lake where I grew up, it's like it's a pretty clicky. Gr- it's a group. It's a thing. It's like a, the police would probably call it a gang. Oh yeah, no, but it's that's, like that's not how I think of the. But term it's I- just a funny. It's a funny word because I understand the like you know the literal meaning of what someone like you is saying when uh-huh. they when they say that. But t- to me, those those words uh, mean something very different. But uh, a so, gang. Yeah, if you want to look up, like there was like stuff from uh, America's Most Wanted in the '90s about Salt Lake City straight edge. It was a thing. Hmm. Let's not let's not go into that. I don't, no, yeah. don't want to dig that up. Uh, don't wonder, go there. I wonder if Ben's listening right now. But uh, Ben seems like a nice guy. He came out yeah. and did a jump, right? Yes. D- did I mm-hmm. not film his first jump? Uh, I'm not sure. He did it with I want to say Clint. Yeah, I think Clint was his instructor, and I'm pretty sure I shot his video. And the okay. only reason I remember that is I don't know if they miswrote his name on our whiteboard uh-huh. or if i misread it but i swear that i saw ben hammer oh yeah and not yeah. ben hamner yeah and uh <laughs> i was super excited to make like mc hammer jokes <laughs> but uh that i didn't get to do that yep so hamner and you guys met how his older brother so i went to school with his older brother and at nascar one time he was like oh you should meet my younger brother because he likes making videos like you do and so we i mean just talked video stuff we got along i got going in school i never really in the film department i never met anyone that was into the kind of videos i was in, into making like wakeboarding wake surfing motocross that kind of stuff and so whenever i met ben he actually knew some of the wakeboarders i knew and filmed with them too so we just clicked we we both enjoyed the same things so you guys were already both doing the film school route when you met. Mm-hmm. So what what made you decide to go to film school? I have just always had a passion for making videos. What was the first video you remember making? Uh, sixth grade, I had my first camera. We took like a field trip, and I made a, a video for our class graduation. Or, yeah, yeah, our little graduation, and I played a video that I made. So tell me, what was the editing like when you made this first video? What oh, did you do? it was difficult. There's, like, windows where you had to plug in the camera, that whole... Firewire? Fire yeah, Firewire. <laughs> no, 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 actually, it was the red, white, and blue input. Oh, like an RCA-style yeah. cable. Okay. And so, and I mean, it was Movie Maker back in the day, whatever the most basic program on the computer was. And, I mean... I wish I could find that DVD somewhere because I would love to watch it. But what's a did was there a theme to the to the graduation? Oh or no, it you was were just you were just getting the you were catching the action. Oh yeah, and there was like star wipes and text on the screen <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So, did you start <clears throat> using a camera and editing video about the same time? Yes. So you never just shot stuff for someone else to edit. No. And how? Uh, how I don't think I've ever done that. Have you ever edited stuff that you didn't shoot? Uh, maybe. Yeah, a couple of times. Yes. So do you have a different feeling when you're editing something that came from someone else? Usually I don't care. And it's just... If you don't care, what do you mean by don't care? Don't care that someone else shot it or you're less passionate about less it? Less passionate. Because I remember the ones, it was in college, I took some jobs for high school football where it's just game film and they wanted it edited with the touchdowns and all that kind of stuff. And so it's more just... All right, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I don't know how they wanted it edited because I don't know that world. So I'm just putting it together in, in basic music and just sending it off. Because, you know, whenever we edit something that we shot, we know how it should be edited. Like, you know skydiving. I don't know football. 
So I don't know how they like that game film edited. So I just do the most basic job I can, I guess. Well, did they did they come back with any like requests, like corrections, changes, any of that? Uh, sometimes little things, but not really. That one actually was. Uh, I'm glad I just did a basic job because that's exactly what they wanted. Okay, yeah, a bunch of jocks watching from their football tapes, right? They yeah. can't expect anything too artistic. Yeah. So uh, you do what? What's like a normal a normal day for you guys? Like a normal work day? Like a a, a project that you do that's you know something you're taking on because you need to pay your bills? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Uh, so usually whenever we shoot something, it's either in Dallas, Houston, or Austin, uh, most likely, and so we'll go and shoot it. Usually spend the day doing that, and then. For a couple of days after that, we just spend them editing. Um, we usually try to edit a couple different projects throughout the day, just so it doesn't get too, I don't know, burn out. I guess mm-hmm. uh, we work a couple hours on one, and then move on to maybe we work a couple hours on a personal thing, and then just do that throughout the week. And we're just editing out of Ben's parents' house, just cooped up in the upstairs dark room. We don't turn on the lights because trying to keep down electricity, just you know, mold. Uh, is it mole? Yeah, mold up. Mold up, yeah. Hold up. Right. Just Whatever. editing away. Mold editing. up, hold up. Yeah. So you, I didn't expect you to say that. I guess I haven't had a lot of conversations with, with other people who edit video as mm-hmm. far as like what your workflow is like. Mm-hmm. Do you find it hard to switch gears between different projects? Uh, no, not really. Because for, uh, do you ever have, do you ever give up? Like you know when you're in the flow and something's really working, mm-hmm. do you ever give that up for a time constraint to work on something else? Oh no! If you get in the flow, you stay in it. It's just because I mean, if you start feeling it, then it becomes fun. So, I guess uh, for someone who has, I know exactly the moment that you're talking. Okay. About, but for someone who. Uh, doesn't know that feeling uh-huh. like describe the difference between editing something for work and editing something for fun so for work it's for money and it's just uh let's let's get this done click 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 and sometimes you do get that feeling because sometimes something really starts working you like it it's like all right cool they're gonna they're gonna really like this you know and uh but more so for personal projects uh, sometimes it can get pretty rough but uh, whenever stuff just starts clicking, it's like, I mean, basically being hot at a table. Like, you don't want to leave. You don't get up. You know, it's, it's natural just energy, natural coffee. You just, you're in it. You're, you're focused. Do you have a video uh, that stands out as your favorite video that you've made or maybe a video that you've watched the most? <laughs> it would be, yeah, okay. So the one I, I like to watch the most is the one that you and Tex made. Just something about it. Just that, the single shot with the red, that one? Yes. Actually, both Ben and I agree on that. All the other videos on our channel, we hardly ever watch them. Just because after you're done editing a video, it's... Yeah, it's almost like, get it out of here. Yeah, you're just tired of it. But that one, like whether we're stressed or just want to watch watch it again, whatever. Whenever we go into stores and try out the new phones, we always put on that one. But it's just uh, just something about that one. We need to do more. I really want to put up that that sunset skydive one. Well, for for anyone who oh the one with uh, him and Jay, mm-hmm. that one that doesn't yeah. live anywhere on the internet. No, I oh, mean we yeah. would love to put it up. Yeah, we need. It's beautiful. Yeah, we need to. That was how long ago it's that beautiful. we shot that. Everyone stuff? should comment and say put it up, Nick. No, it's two years ago though, right? Oh, yeah. So I think the it's a really great video. I agree with you. It's the the sky is beautiful. I think what's changed in two years is all of our abilities. So. 
I would feel better about running that camera now okay. and what I'd be able to do with it. Let's do it again. And I know that Tex and Jay would both have a very similar sentiment about their flying and the stuff that they've learned and you know what they're capable of now in the in the sky. Let's do it so again. So I think uh, yeah, we just need you just need to update it. We'd love to. But whenever. What, the, there's some clips of that in the Summer Dreams video, though, yes. right? So that one that one for us is uh, one of our other favorites. That that one actually we do enjoy watching too just cuz we put so much work into that one. Um, so yeah. when you so the the video that you said you like the the one that I shot of text. Mhm. The t- talk about the camera that we used. Uh so it's a Red Epic. It's a cinema grade camera. It is Yeah, I mean it's it's just a square box of just power and you put lenses or whatever you need on it like it's the kind of camera <clears throat> that does not come with a lens doesn't come with a screen doesn't come with anything but the raw computing power does it even capture audio <laughs> it does not unless you put it on there and the reason for that is because they are producing the power and then you put on the parts for exactly what you need so you're telling me it's a computer that you can attach a screen to is that fair enough basically yeah so what's uh what's the going rate on a camera like that? Um, the model that we have new, I believe it was twenty five thousand. So we got ours used. That's insane. Uh, yeah, me and me and Ben uh scoured the web, got found a used one, and we put our money together that we saved for years. And you know they sell GoPros for five hundred bucks, man. Yeah, different uh different sensor, different. <laughs> yeah, so describe just for anyone who thinks that like. I know when I first started getting into cameras, I thought 1080 meant 1080, and it was the shit, and you weren't going to get better than that. Mm-hmm. So the differences between a camera like a RED and a camera like a GoPro, what mm-hmm. are the most notable noticeable differences? So the difference is the the sensor. The sensor is much bigger, so on a GoPro, it's much smaller. I don't speak cameras. What's a sensor? <laughs> the sensor is the thing inside the camera that's capturing the image. Okay. Right? It's all the lights hitting that. And so on small things like the GoPro or your cell phone, even though they shoot 4K, the sensor is really small. And so on larger cameras like that, it's much bigger so that the pixels on it are bigger. And so they just capture the light much, much better. And also the, the, the way it processes that image is much different because on the RED, it produces a raw file. And on the GoPro, it produces just a, uh, a compressed... Uh, already converted file. So what the raw file is, is something, it's it's all the ones and zeros. So we can go in and manipulate all the data as if we, for for some settings, we can change settings that you would change beforehand on shooting on any other camera after the fact. So like white balance, or white balance is really the only thing, but it gives us so much more room in editing for color walls. So it's a little bit like a time machine where you can go back and, oh, I wish I had shot this differently. It lets you adjust some of those things that, with a different camera you're already committed to. Yes, to a certain extent. And and then just the sensor produces, uh, from from light to dark, it can capture so much more. D- dynamic range? Dynamic range. So like if we're sitting outside and you, on a bright summer day, most cameras like can't wouldn't be able to see into a dark shed. So like on this camera, you can see from light to dark so much so that it could see all the brightness outside, but also the darkness on the inside. If that, uh, so if that it, makes you're sense. saying it could show all of that at the same time? Yes. With the same settings. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. So that's that's the difference really between like a GoPro and that camera. So do you do you own like 
you use that camera the most for work, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Pretty uh, much 100%. 100%. Are there any other cameras in your arsenal that you guys are trading off with? Uh, the drone. The drone? Mm-hmm. Which, uh, what drone are you using? The Phantom 4. Yeah, which one? Uh, is it the Phantom 4 Pro Plus? Because I know a guy that has one. Yes, it is. <laughs> do you, do, is that the one you got? That's the same one I got. Do you yeah. love it? Dude, it's super cool. Yeah. And it's actually, uh, the, the footage from it is so nice and mm-hmm. smooth. and That one's got a big sensor. It's got, a, but even just the the stabilization of it mm-hmm. is what inspired me to drop some uh, some some cold hard cash on the uh, uh, external uh, gimbal stabilizer that I got from them. Also, the uh, Ronin. Oh MX, yeah, yeah. Which I I don't think if I hadn't bought that drone first, I don't think I would have bought the stabilizer. Mm-hmm. But man, they they figured it out. They, they, yeah, they make some cool stuff. They uh, they've been killing it from where they started four or five years ago to now. It's insane. And this this is uh, DJI is who we're talking about yeah. is, the, is the brand. Do you have any other pieces from them? Any other pieces of equipment? Uh, no, we had their old Ronin, which was great. But then we got a Movi just because it was it was lighter. And yeah, how boring is this to listen to camera nerd stuff? Dude, I'm into it, but I used to be a camera nerd. Oh, okay. So when you say sensors and you talk, I, it, it, it all makes sense to me. I don't know if you remember a camera called the PC-1000. I do. I had one. Yeah. So that's that's where I really first started becoming aware of sensors when, when Sony changed over from, I forget the old name brand or the, the model, but they changed to what they called the TRV. And mine still that's a long like, one, right? Yeah, yeah. And I still had, I had the first one and its big deal was it's a much larger sensor and you God, can see the color. What did I have? An HC40, I think, was what I had before. That's what the TRVs turned into. Yeah, so yeah. it was the the HC forty, then the TRVs, then the PC one thousand was like the big revolution. That uh, dude, it was a nice <laughs> camera, different shape. I don't think it was really HD, but I think it was super close. It was definitely a step above the uh, the older ones. It was huge. If I remember, it was three chip, so one chip per color. <laughs> oh yeah, red, yeah, red yeah. green, and blue. Yep. Yeah. But isn't it crazy? Like if we watched footage from that camera and how good it looked then, oh, next dude. to someone's shitty little GoPro five today. You shot a mic GoPro one, man. GoPros have also just advanced in Huge. in themselves to to where I, I don't know what else they can do to them. I mean, no one needs 5K or 8K in a GoPro. Where are they going to go from here? Yeah, you know. And that's really weird that that's like a technological problem. Like I was listening to I was the CEO of Google speak. Like this is probably five or six years ago. He was making a speech about the progress of their technology and about how one day they will have the very real problem of having a device that's capable of holding more memory, more media than anyone could ever watch in their life. And that's a problem they're going to have to figure out how yeah. to deal with. And I feel like, you know, uh, camera technology is probably going to be the same where it's like, yeah, sure, we, you know, almost everything I watch is still just 1080 because mm-hmm. that's the resolution of my computer. And to my eyeballs, it looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I shoot something in 4K if I know that being able to crop in on it is going to be helpful. Yep. But almost never, almost never do I find it useful. Right. Because, like, your Summer Dreams video, Summer Dreams 4K, mm-hmm. I love Thank you. And I have not seen it on a 4K screen. It's uh, it's cool. I bet. And uh, uh, we we actually exported the the raw file because when you put it on YouTube, it's com- highly compressed. I, I need to show you some time. Hopefully, we find ourselves around. See, a but but that's what I mean about 4K still not feeling practical. To oh me. yeah, is yeah, for me not. to view something in 4K. It's an event, right? Mm-hmm. We got to plan it out. Whose TV are we gonna watch? Like, for me, it's just not. Uh, practical yet yeah that's one of the things i've noticed is everything i consume just i don't care about quality you know i i usually watch it like 720p 1080p just to keep the stream fast i just want it to work Mm -hmm. 
So that's where, I mean, so we focus on the quality, but I always wonder, do people Right, I was going to ask you about, conversely, how do you feel when you're making something? Like you're making a, you just said, I don't care about quality. Like when you're watching something from someone else, you'd care a lot less about uh-huh. the, what you're actually getting mm-hmm. on your phone. But when you're going to show someone something that you've made, how do you, what, what's the feeling like then? I mean, you want it to be the best it can be because it, it's your baby, right? And uh, I wish everyone could watch it on a 4K screen, but that's impractical. Uh, but I just, we, we try to make it to where it's future-proof. So whenever 4K does become more, just all the phones are doing it, all this, everyone's on a 4K screen, we want our stuff to still be available to watch in that. So we're just sort of, we're trying to future-proof it. So do you think when your phone is capable of showing you 4K resolution, do you think that's going to be a noticeable difference from viewing 1080 on that same size screen? So on some phones, yes, because on uh, the new iPhone X and the Samsung ones, we Ben and I went into the store and played the uh, Free Fall You in Texas video, and it's it's awesome. It's so cool. But uh, but I mean, day to day, I'm watching videos in landscape on <laughs> in portrait mode, you know. So. You you've made a number of viral videos, right? Mm. What's what's the biggest the most views on your guys' channel? Uh, it would be the cliff jumps one. I've got how many? Four hundred or no, one hundred and thirty million is cliff jumps. The second one is forty three million. The uh, BSR super slide. Okay, yeah. I did a lot of watching of round <laughs> three me- media. Like first of all. If you're listening to this in your car, immediately pull over right now. Don't do this on the road. Uh, do search for Round Three Media. We'll share them in, in the uh, in the notes after the show on the podcast in this feed. But you guys made some dope videos. Uh, I just want to read the numbers: 130 million cliff jumps, 43 million the uh, BSR super slide, and then after that you get into small numbers where you're talking 4.3 million, 3.1 million. <laughs> small numbers like 4.3 yeah. million. And dude. <laughs> Your, one of your very first videos, a five-minute video of just some hot chicks and some hot dudes, and really, they're all hot people. I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of good-looking. Uh, they're not the, terrible-looking people. That's what you're trying to say. They're not terrible. That's how it goes. Not terrible-looking. Yeah. It's pretty amazing, man. So I'll, I'll share that in, in this, but uh, definitely take a look at it, people. Well, so the cliff jumps, that was before Ben and I, years before we even started round three. But that's kind of what made us start it, because it got so big, and the channel was getting traffic, so... We th- our thinking was, well, there's our platform, you know, to try to do something. And so I, I, I'm curious, like, does it give you any sort of a feeling to know that? I mean, I, I've seen this cliff jump video and it's not it's not a production at all. Right. Just it's just on the video. screen right now. Yeah. Just it's people it's watching. just real time. I mean, Ben shot this in high school. It blew up. That's actually how his brother introduced us. He was. He was saying, oh, my brother's got this video at that time had 12 million view- views, I believe, mm-hmm. which, what, what? And uh, since then, it's just, it keeps getting views. It's an anomaly. It's crazy. But, I mean, it, it it's awesome. It works. I mean, I, I, the, the question I want to ask is, like, almost nothing went into making this video, right? Right, yeah. This video with 130 million views, you just said? I think he cuts yes. maybe a couple times. Yeah, so, but he didn't. That you can tell it's something that wasn't made with a lot of thought. It wasn't produced with the passion that goes into your guys's 
cooler videos. So do you do you have a feeling like when you make summer dreams and you put all this time and all this work and all this thought into a video and it doesn't explode like this video, mm-hmm. but this video that like I mean for lack of a better word it's just a, it's just a reg- it's a regular video. Uh-huh. You know, it's people jumping off a cliff into water, you could find a million of those on on YouTube, right? Do you have a feeling about that? Uh, of why that is? Uh not even why that it is, but just that that's a thing. Like, do you have oh. a feeling that like you you pour your heart and soul into this one video, and so few? Not, I mean, not few people because it still has a lot of views, but just comparatively, that so many fewer people have seen something that you put so much more of yourself into. I mean, that thought definitely goes through your mind, but I don't really. It's not something that really brings me down or anything, just because no one really knows what's gonna blow up or not. I, I feel like people would watch Summer Dreams, and you know, they can appreciate it. Uh, it's just some things blow up and some things don't. So I, I feel like you sort of have a knack for identifying viral things. Yeah. Do you don't you don't feel that way? I, I think we're we're st- we're starting to get some sort of idea since we've been doing it of what works and what doesn't, but we still honestly don't really have an idea. I get the internet's crazy. There was one video this summer that uh we, we made the 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 like jet ski slingshot thing video this summer and we thought that would do great but like the video that was taken a week before of basically the same thing from a cell phone went viral god that's so irritating and uh <laughs> does you know, that does that bother you that like this thing that someone put no time energy or effort into they just pointed their phone at a thing and that's the one that blew up it, when it, we have like your awesome thought out shots of it put together it it doesn't really bother me it's just kind of it's more so interesting of why does that blow up but ours doesn't and like we have ideas of why that is and i honestly we think the biggest thing is just it's real like the the uh the cliff jumps it's just the the single natural shot and just like you're in it and so like that one cell phone shot from the summer it was just you know it's to us, it's like everything else you see on Facebook going viral where it's, you know, a kid videoing another kid and it just happens and he got it. You know, it's shaky. It's from a phone. It's just real. Yeah. I think we think that plays a big part. So, yeah, it's more so interesting. Rather, It's not frustrating or like, ah. You just have a fascinated perspective on the whole mm-hmm. thing. That's a very healthy perspective to have. But I sometimes get, I get irritated when stuff that I that I make that's like, oh, this one's going to do great. People are going to love this one. People are going to share this one. People are going to say or think this about it. And then that doesn't happen. It's like, well, f- what did yeah. I miss? Then you don't watch it for months and then watch it and then you see it from a new perspective and and see, you learn from it. That's a really good point. I can usually, I get a better feel for the quality of a thing if, the, the, you know, the further, the, the more time that passes between when I made it and when I've seen it last. Mm-hmm. I can more easily identify things I would change. Yeah. Um, so we we did the film festival. A few. Mm-hmm. How long ago was that, DJ? Have, has it been a month, month and a half? Yeah, October beginning of October fourteenth, maybe. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's the right date. So about a month. Yeah. J- uh, tomorrow will be a month. I can't read my watch. But uh, <laughs> since then, we've had. Uh, while it was happening, I had a number of people approach me, uh, like just kind of asking general questions about editing. And uh, I think since then, since it happened, people have asked, like, okay, how do I make one of these? Like, I saw someone's video, and I thought, I think that's cool. I want to make it. 
or hey, my video was like this, how do I make it better? So do you have any advice for someone who hasn't uh, shot or edited much video? How can they tell if their video sucks? Uh, that's a great question. I don't uh, ask your friends and tell them to be honest. Okay. I think that's the best way. What is that? Is that what you do? Like you and Ben are working on something, you need an honest opinion. That's what I, yeah, always done. Yeah. So, I mean, who would you, who would be your first person to go to? Ben. What if he's in on the deal? Oh, uh, his brother. Okay. Brothers, both of them. So are you there with them when they watch it? Sometimes, sometimes not, but they'll, they'll tell us. Do you ever get to debut a video you've made in front of a crowd? No, but that would be cool. That's never happened? Mm-mm. Okay. Um, do you, what's, I guess, what's the most people you've watched watch one of your videos? Uh, I don't know, maybe 10 or so. Okay. So what, what, when that video is playing, what are you paying attention to? The reactions at certain moments. So you're watching the crowd more than you're watching the video. Yeah. So like certain things, if, if I edited something a certain way to try to get people to feel a certain way, you know, I'll see if, are, are they reacting to it? Did it work? Did it not work? Why didn't it work? So, so what tricks do you use? Like when you're editing a video, what are you going to use to try and inspire someone to feel any certain way? Ooh, that's a tough one. Like for me, music is what I oh. is what I go to. Like yeah. that's a super easy emotional manipulator is music. I think music is half of it. So, but like when you're, let's say you're setting up to shoot something, is there anything that you're keeping in mind? Of, uh, I guess. To be clear about what I'm after is like I didn't go to film school. I know nothing about film theory, about like uh, stru- like uh, structure and content and what shots should follow other shots and the sh- you know the geometry of a shot and all of those things that uh, I can see someone who knows a lot about film. Like, uh, do you know Every Frame of Painting? Mm-mm. It's a YouTube channel that he kind of dissects a lot of. Uh, it's a lot of older films. But he, you know, he'll say, "Oh, this this director shot this this way because they were going for this feel, and you can see them accomplish it here with these angles, and notice this shape, and notice this is how the shot was set up." So, but I'm not good at any of that because I didn't study any of it. So I'm I'm just kind of curious. Like, uh, I mean, you 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 don't have to study. I mean, you you're learning it just how I learned it, just by doing it. So, what did you learn in film school then? Like, what do they teach you? A lot of history. Really, and a lot of stuff I feel prob- that probably apply to Hollywood industry. Um, but everything we do, and the type of stuff we do, Ben and I both just learned it by doing it, just by years of bouncing off the walls. And you know, that, I think that's a big way of of how people learn how to shoot and edit. It's just by doing it. So do you have any tips for someone who, you know, they're interested in making a video, they have no idea where to start? What, what, would, what would your first advice be? Start with your phone. Start with whatever you have and just think of what you want to do and, and go in and shoot it and go from there. Just st- you don't have to research and find what camera you need. Just use your phone and go in and you'll start learning from there. Have, have you shot with a GoPro much? Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, do you, how do you like it? I mean, I like it. It it has its applications for sure. 
just for the type of stuff we shoot, uh, especially like corporate wise, uh, we use the the big camera. Even though sometimes it would be easier to to use a GoPro, we that's the one way we try to stay ahead of our competitors is by using the the that camera. So when you guys think of your competitors, what does that look like? Like who who else is going for the projects that you guys are after? Honestly, I don't really know. I don't know who all the other production companies are. So just a bunch of strangers, bunch of strangers. You think it's a bunch of dudes working out of their parents' house in the in the in the upstairs? <laughs> I I'm not sure. I like to think they aren't because I want to be like them and have an office. But uh, we're we're working to that. That's a uh, that's a goal. To to have your, you guys had an office for quite a while, didn't you? Well, we had a home office. So last year we instead of getting a separate house and office, we just got a bigger house and dedicated a room to for our server and computers and all that but but now we our lease ended and we went to waco to do that summer project and then whenever we came back uh we just started working out of ben's parents house again just like we started we came full circle so how uh i notice that the more efficiently i shoot a thing mm-hmm. like the clearer picture i have in my head before i start i end up with less footage and an easier edit uh, how much time do you usually spend? Like, first, let's say you spent six hours shooting a thing. How many hours are you going to spend editing six hours of footage? Ooh, it depends a lot on the project. I depends mean, just, on a lot of the project, Nick. I mean, I'm just I'm just trying to get a feel for some of the stuff you do because I don't feel like I'm efficient at it. Uh, I agree. I, I feel like I shoot too much and look for too long for the for the thing that I'm looking for. And so I'm just trying to think of advice that would help some, like a new jumper, right? They want to make their first skydiving video. They just Mm -hmm. got their 200 jumps. They just got their GoPro. And now they're pointing it at everything that moves Mm -hmm. and filming all of this stuff. Like I see young jumpers with new cameras in the airplane filming all sorts of shit that they're never, ever going to watch, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, as far as efficiency of what you decide to film, do you have any strategies of, uh, you know, deciding what's what's important or like having a plan of what you're going to shoot anything like that so before deciding before we shoot or after we shoot before you shoot do you come up with a plan of uh like do you guys work out a script do you guys work oh, out no. a shot list do you we, guys have uh we do not and that's actually one of our that's probably one of our greater weaknesses is we just shoot way way too much we we're, we're not storyboarders we i mean we have a general plan and idea but I usually get some shots, and then Ben gets his shots because we both shoot kind of differently. And so we, we just, yeah, we overshoot always. DJ, I need a non-camera nerd question. I feel like I'm down the I'm a nerd rabbit hole right now. Uh, dude, I, I'm enjoying the nerd rabbit hole, but you know I'll fucking nerd out all day long, man. I mean, yeah, I, viewers? I just don't know. Like, for someone who doesn't have... Uh, any experience filming something yeah, they want to yeah. start making videos no man like, I, it's hard for me now to think like just like it's hard to think with a non-skydiver brain when you're talking to someone who doesn't jump sure, sometimes to, to find a point they can connect with so uh i mean the first thing that i think of right away is if you're listening to this on facebook live right now you should be sharing it with all your friends Hey-o. you should share it on any group you have any group you like tag a friend who you think would like gravity lab radio um, I was a little more shame. Uh, uh, I, I just was, I wouldn't do a lot of the plugging, shameless plugging that we did, that I'm doing now. And now I'm shameless. So please share this, help us grow, <laughs> help us get better. Um, hey, you know, you could be pointing that camera at yourself while you're talking. 
Dude, nope, that's say, not it, you man. You would say that to me if I was sitting back there again. Dude, so there I am. Hey, can you point that hat out to everybody? Dude, God look at that hat right there. Good looking. It is a one of a type. Right now, this is the only hat that exists like it. And um, yeah, it's. I don't know what's going to happen after that. Well, let's say that uh, I saw that hat and I really wanted to order one. How would I? How would I get my hands on one of those hats? I will tell you if enough people come hit me up and say they want to order one, um, I would probably make it happen. Um, I'm, I'm definitely interested in running some of these hats out there. Uh, something cool for you to know, and some of my friends have been asking. Adam Buckner, who owns Option Studios and created Monty, Monty is is our mascot is our mascot's name. Uh, is now just starting to work on those long-awaited new Rating Center shirts. I've been talking about those forever. Uh, Rating Center jerseys. You've seen the Option Studio jerseys. We're getting our own branded Radio Center jerseys. And um, Did you just say Radio Center? Rating Center. <laughs> yep, Rating Center. I might have. And uh, I am going to have him design only two, actually three, Ben Nelson Gravity Lab Radio jerseys. hey So uh, maybe eventually we'll do those as well. Um, That'd be fun. So I, I, I get a lot of people asking me and Nick, what I want to do the next film festival. What do I do? What do I put together? Um, the, the nerd questions, I don't think it's fair because I've done a lot of editing in my past too. And so my immediate things, we all laughed. The first thing you said is I used a bunch of fucking wipes and fades and dissolves and, <laughs> and everything is a cut. It's so rare when I edit anything anymore, which is rare in the first place, it's just it's not just a bunch of cuts unless there's a really good reason. You use very Nick, uh, unique and good dissolves fades, whatever, just transitions because of some of the, the logo or the way things work. Um, what other you, you you say you you would tell the new person just start shooting whatever and grabbing whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it helps for me to compare it with the podcast world. The, the thing that I was told in the podcast world is just fucking do it. Don't worry about how bad the product looks or sounds because right now this sounds horrible. Uh, but you'll learn from each and every mistake you guys make. Oh yeah. And, and make something that you want to watch, not what you think others want to watch. I think that's a big part of it. Wait, elaborate on that a little bit. So like whenever that's, that's the thing that makes it, I think the best and the easiest is whenever you start just thinking, Oh, I think this would be cool. And you have an idea of, I'm going to do this with the camera and then the next shot will be this. And then, you know, you go from there. And that'll, you think it's cool, so it's it's more often than not going to translate well whenever it's a finished product, and it also makes editing easier because you already know what you want it to look like. So how how have you watched your videos change um, in the time that you've been uh, shooting and editing? So I, I think quite a bit. I think our mindset has changed a lot. Like at the beginning, we were, because we, we had the super slide, which that was our me and Ben's first video together. And it that was your first video together? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. How many views does that one have? 43 million. 43 million. So tell me about the uh, the owner of uh, of BSR and how did he think of, uh, what did he think about your guys' video? Uh, he thought it was great. I mean, it, it completely changed their business. I mean, it it brought people from all over the world. Whenever I was going to BSR during college. Here, start sooner. How, how, how did you guys land this deal with BSR? Where did it start? Well, I would always go to BSR in college because it was right there. It's a wakeboarding place. I'd film there sometimes, and then I started working for them, making videos. They hired me. So I did that in college for money. And then... There are some sexy girls in your video. <laughs> That's Morgan Lomar. Okay, we'll get back to that. Hang on. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> after after... Uh, whenever Ben and I were first starting, we got, we got a text from him. Hey, 
uh, we need a video of the the big slide. And Ben and I were thinking, okay, this thing, I mean, it's it's cool. We definitely should take this job because we had other plans. We're like, okay, we'll do this because if we don't make it, someone else will, and it's probably going to do good because it's a cool thing. And that's also the point where we're deliberating: do we do we film this on GoPro? Should we just get a bunch of GoPros, or should we instead spend all that money on a red? And so we went the other route, got the red, and then made that. And after we put it out, it just it, it took on its own life. God damn it! <laughs> now let's pull this fucking microphone out of the stand. Okay, so between Queso. between finishing this video and it taking off, like going viral, how how much time passes there? Like three hours, it was <laughs> wild. In three hours, how many views does it have? Maybe a couple hundred, and then uh, we posted it to Reddit, and it. I mean, on YouTube, you can see the the live feed, and it just it kept climbing and climbing, going to like thousands of views a minute, and we were just. I mean, we we hadn't slept all night because we were trying to finish the video. We posted it at I think nine or ten a.m., and so we'd already been up for twenty four hours easily. And then um, it just started taking on its life, and then so we, we just we just rolled with it. I mean, nothing we would have ever expected. And then back to the original question, like you were saying, how how has our thought process changed? And so after that, I mean, it, it was kind of in a way counterintuitive to have something that that goes that big at the first because it changes the way we thought. Like that video we made, just how we wanted to make it. Ben and I spent two weeks holed up in his parents' house just editing day and night and it's ex- it's what we wanted and then after that i feel like we started to think more of okay we we got to do it again you know and so over the years as we put out stuff we've we've more so seen how we followed that route and now we think differently now we're back to you know we just need to make the things we want to make screw everything else i mean it yeah. For a while there, we were like dissecting videos, other videos on YouTube, especially whenever we were making Summer Dreams. Trying to find the secret recipe? Yes. Cute yeah. girls and puppies? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cute girls and puppies. How often do other successful videos cut? Like, what's the science behind this? Because, you know, there's, there's something there. What is it? And so I think we we tried to replicate that too much. And and now we're just back to... We, we put out a, a video recently called Puppy Dreams. And... <laughs> What's Puppy Dreams all about? It's uh, it's just one off uh, B-roll footage that I started working on late night just whenever I wanted to decompress because it was enjoyable. It made me smile. It was it was just the cutest thing ever. And I I, I got into making it because I was, I was listen, listening to Spotify and came across some of the clips. And I was like, whoa, this is this puppy. And so I just started working on it. And that was more so of a passion project. Is this Puppy but, Dreams? But I right love here? it. No, it's not. This oh. is Cinestate. This is a corporate one. Oh, I went the wrong place. Um, but but Puppy Dreams is is I would say my second favorite to watch besides the Freefall one, just because it's it's exactly what I wanted to make. I don't care what anyone else thinks about it. It's I mean it's five minutes long. I don't expect anyone to watch it, but some people that may appreciate it and sit there and watch it and really just let themselves sink into it. I I that's that's all I want. I don't. I don't want the millions of views on that. Don't need it. It's just this. I'm proud of that one. How do you feel about being called an artist? Do you identify yourself as such? I've never really thought about that. I don't think anyone's ever called me that. 
Well, I mean, I would say it's undeniable to like even this shot right here of this puppy rolling over. The puppy. That dude, that is for sure art. Like, if someone had taken this as a picture, that would be art. <clears throat> you know, as a picture on a wall, mm -hmm. that would get away as art. And I think that video is a very interesting medium because, I, like, for me, I feel I feel weird about calling it art too. Like the yeah. things that I make, I don't like. It's a, it feels like a stretch to call it art. But when I look at something that you've made, it's like, yeah, that's art. Like, there was thought put into this, and there's skill behind it. And there's like beautiful this, ladies. It, and there's some beautiful <laughs> fucking ladies. Well, I'd say I definitely appreciate hey that. Ladies. But does, I mean, do you have a feeling about, about it as art? Like, what is it to you? If it's not art, what is it? Uh, it's just, to me, it's just cool and uh, it's just a... I, for me, I really enjoy the image aspect of it, just having the image look a certain way. And, and, and how, how do you achieve that? Uh, with color grading in, in post, all the processing that you do after the fact. I use a lot of those Lumetri presets. Lumetri's good. I'm not great at color grading. Lumetri's great. I use Lumetri quite often. Just, yeah. I got, so just some quick, you, you asked for some of the, the basic questions yes, that please. people want to know. Here, this is a huge one because... Uh, D Fastler, what is a good editing software for beginners? And I actually have that question in two ways because I used to use uh, Premiere, uh, Premiere Pro, and for the longest time I had the entire Premiere suite, which is really expensive. I won't say I paid for it. Um, and recently I just went to a uh, like $60 version of Premiere, and I've been super mm -hmm. happy with it. I, j I just, I'm, in, I'm familiar with the ecosystem. Okay. So as far as uh, affordable paid software, um, and then free software for beginners, people who, who aren't super familiar with all, all, all the power that Final Cut Pro or something has? Well, honestly, I've been out of the, the loop cause I, just because I've been using Premiere for so long now and uh, Apple's Final Cut uh -huh. that I don't know all the products out there, but I always heard, I've heard about Vegas that has, I believe, an a affordable program. And then I, I want to say if you're on a Mac... Apple's iMovie comes with the software. So, I mean, we on we use iMovie sometimes whenever we just have a very simple project and we don't want all the complexities of the normal program. We just go to iMovie. So, one of those is is a great one. Uh, for PC, uh, I'm honestly not sure. I think for, uh, for, for Adobe, so Adobe is a company that, that wants you to torrent their software or use a friend's code because... They want to get you in the ecosystem, so they don't mind all that. So if you can, um, you you can. I feel less bad about doing that for fucking twelve <laughs> years now. Yeah, I mean, if you just want to torrent one, you should do it because that's what I did for years. I mean, and it worked. I'm an Adobe user now, and that's their whole plan. They want to get you onto their I pay program for Adobe and use that for life. Yeah. So I mean, torrent it. I don't know. Nick, you're using Vegas. I used Vegas for a long time. Okay. I've uh, recently made the switch to Premiere. And uh, I feel like it's a good analogy to make with someone who understands canopy progression is that I feel like I spent a whole lot of time learning how to swoop on a really big, very docile parachute that wasn't that didn't have all the cool, you know, tricks and bells and whistles. It wasn't capable of as much as, you know, I was on a saber two and now I've started playing around on the Valkyrie, right? Where it's like because I uh, 
because this program I was using was built more towards a beginner mindset and mm-hmm. utilizing less of the program. And I got good at utilizing the fewer tools that were available. Now that I've uh, started using Premiere, there are so many more tools available. There are so many more uh, like uh, options and effects and things that people have already thought out, like uh, work that people have already done that I can almost not steal, but things that you can borrow from so many other uh, areas with a with a program like Adobe Premiere. And uh, I feel like it's really changed uh, changed the end product that I'm capable of reaching. But I feel like the understandings that I built through uh, do you know what keyframing is? No, because I've heard it used in so, so many places. So keyframing, it's like a fancy word to say, I'm going to tell the program to apply this amount of this effect at this moment. That's so, why I've heard it so many ways. So instead of, instead of like, let's say you're in iMovie and you apply a filter to the whole video to make it look a certain way, and it might not give you all the controls. Like, let's say you want that effect to kind of fade in and fade out, and then you want it to do this other thing, and you want to make it blurry for just a second, and then you want to make the frame bend and move and do these these weird things. Having control over that is where keyframing comes in, because now I get to go in and meticulously tell it where to do each one of those. That's those where I'm things. grabbing tabs and di- diamonds and bars on the screen as part of keyframing. When I'm on the timeline, there's uh, I can actually fade video in and out and drag where it fades in and out from on that little. Yeah, so it's a much more, not much just not just more complicated. It just gives you a lot more control to do those things. That's a base example. I would mean. I don't think I understand the question. Okay, I'm going to leave it there just because I've heard keyframing with projectors with video editing. So I want to go back to what do you do? You have using. a different understanding of keyframing than I do. Uh, no, same. But I feel like that's it's it's a pretty like complicated thing. And so, yeah, yeah, getting back to Premiere, the, you're yeah. using Premiere. Um, but, uh, but the point I was making is because I, I learned all of these simple little things like keyframing in Sony Vegas, okay. which I couldn't make the most of it because of the limitations of the program. Now I've opened up a whole bunch of new doors with this with this program that's capable of a lot more, and okay. uh, I will I will do more with it. So yeah, y- this is a different perspective from both of you because you started mainly with Premiere. Uh, we'll we'll find uh, Final Cut, which Final is Cut, Apple's. It's a very similar program. Um, and you started more with Vegas. Yeah, I had something before Vegas, too. Like, God, I don't even remember the name of it, but it was just another shitty... Pinnacle. Like, I, it may have been a Pinnacle program, but I had Windows, Studio. Windows Movie Maker was the first thing I ever used, which I don't know if that even comes I on. I used that one. You've used it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sixth six grade project? Yeah, long... T- I mean, yeah. I don't know if there was a for that, but a long time ago. So for the new people out there, the question I would want them to know is... I, I started with Premiere as well. Would you recommend going straight to Premiere from the beginning and also know that there is less than a $100 version of Premiere out there called Premiere Elements. I use it nonstop for what I do, and it's extremely powerful, but not nearly as powerful as the full version. But it, for me, it would lay down the whole foundation of how to use the program. How do you feel about that, guys? Uh, well, you go first, AJ. How do I you would say, yeah, go for it, because that's actually what I... Yes, uh, because like you were saying, you were on Vegas for too long. Like you're trying to swoop on, you're practicing it too long. Just get to know Premiere because you don't have to use the more advanced stuff in Premiere, it, but it, it will be there when you want to. But it's still very straightforward, just like every other program. Editing across all the programs is basically the same. It's just what are their capabilities. So if you can start on Premiere or want to share an account with friends because they have monthly subscriptions as well, you should definitely do that. I and I would, I guess, uh, 
my perspective on this has changed. Excuse me. Um, I would have said, if someone had asked me this maybe two years ago, I would have said, yeah, you know, learn on something simple, and then once you have a feel for it, move to these other programs. It's probably advice that I, that I would give. But right now, like, there's so much information out there about how to edit video, like, tutorials. Like, how many Premiere Pro tutorials could you find on YouTube right now? So many. It's, it's basically endless, All of right? Them. And there's a lot of garbage out there, too, at the, at the same time. But even from a, a poorly made uh, video, there's still at least one little uh, tip or trick or something that you can steal from, from any tutorial that you watch that'll help you uh, understand, uh, you know, get a little bit of a skill that's at least going to apply to something else later on down the road. Would you say that's fair? Very. Where do you find all these sexy girls that are in your videos? I want to know. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Baylor how, University. How do you know Baylor, these? the holy grail. Ba- Baylor? That's where the, uh, it starts. The ratio was great. So you went to school at Baylor. I hope none of them are listening. Don't worry. They don't listen to this. They're off. So like, wait a minute. The guy-girl ratio at Baylor is pretty awesome. It's like three to one, I, I think, was Female? the actual ratio. Why? Three girls or to one guy? Are you sure? not me? that, but at least two to one. I mean, it was definitely skewed. Why? Why is Baylor such a female-friendly school, and why am I not enrolled? Honestly, I think I'm fathers married. send their daughters there <laughs> to get married to find a nice <laughs> MRS guy. degree. Did you did yeah. you guys have the term MRS degree? Oh yeah, and if okay. you Google ring by spring, it comes up MRS degree. Your Mrs. degree. They're oh, there to get Jesus. married. MRS degrees. Oh yeah, yeah. At Baylor, it's it's strong. It's but a, I wasn't one of them. If anyone's wondering, it's I'm a very a, strong are, term. Are you Christian single? College. Are you a single man? I'm single. See, that's ladies. You know, maybe the podcast will help me. Hang so. on, hang on. So I, we got to talk about these girls for a sec because there are some beautiful girls in your videos. So how how do you know these girls? It's through school, mm-hmm. all of them. Uh, not all of them, but more often than not. So the consistent you, ones, yeah. When you have this pretty lady friend, what do you uh, what do you say when you want to get them in your video? Casting I mean, couch. Most of the, well, okay. So the girls, the girls that <laughs> these girls go to Baylor, they're respectable young ladies. Yes, I went yes, to sir. a Bible college, sir. They're capable of being whores. Hey, you know what? <laughs> That's rude, and I'm offended that you didn't point the camera at you while you were talking. I'm sorry. Apology accepted. Okay, so back Thank to you. these, back to these <laughs> lovely, proper ladies. I mean, we we hang out with the cool ones, so they the ones that aren't like. You know, Miss, Rude. Miss Posh. Yeah, th- is there a lot of that? Yeah, Baylor? yeah. There's there's a good amount. The ones like us that just want to have fun and not trying to, you know, have a just yeah. We're just trying to have fun at the so moment. I I kind of noticed what. Uh, so for anyone that doesn't know, a- uh, AJ has asked for our help with a couple of videos, mostly just flying uh, flying cameras to do skydives. Really, that's pretty much all we've done for you. Is that you know you'd set up the settings for the camera and put it on my head and I would take it on skydive. That's pretty much it, right? Uh, so AJ has invited us out to uh, the Baylor game day video. Mm-hmm. So we went up to to Waco to BSR, which is this cable park that you made the the slide or the the, the video about the giant slide for. And uh, this was the first time I interacted with your your friends, really, like the these these Baylor people that you're that you're pretty close with. And I don't want you to take this as an insult. Let's hear it. When I say I don't think you fit in with that with that group, as as well as maybe some of them interacted together, like to me. And again, this isn't meant to be insulting. Uh, maybe to your friends a little bit, but that you seem like a, a little more open-minded, accepting, and progressive than maybe some of the people who uh, 
who we met. Okay. Do you feel like that that's something that's common? Like I, I didn't go to college, so I don't know. Especially at a at Baylor, you'd call Baylor a Christian university, yeah? Mm-hmm. Baptist. We don't touch when we dance. <laughs> Is that true? Are you Baptist? No, but they used to. I'm not. I'm, I'm a Catholic, so we're. You're Catholic at a Baptist. We school? like to party. Yeah. Well, I mean, See, I got I, scholarship though. Honestly, I'm so. So that's that's the reason. So you're you're Catholic, mm-hmm. going to a Baptist school. I'm so ignorant of like Christian religion. I don't I don't know the difference. I mean, I don't either. Uh, for me, it's okay, just good, be a good be a good person, and that's that. I mean, Baylor at first freaked me out because I mean, if anyone's listening and is a Baptist, sorry, but I am. DJ. The, uh, some of them were pretty <laughs> pretty like they really. Throw it on you, yeah, yeah. And, that's, and he, that's what I mean when I say I didn't think you fit with with the other people who I've become acquainted with for, through you know Baylor University. Is I feel like a lot of those like it's almost a condescending level of uppity like holier than thou is yeah. what I, I mean, dude. I grew up Baptist. We've talked about it. Baptist college, uh, holier than thou. I'll go there. Fucking hypocrites. So did you get that feeling going <laughs> to that school? Oh yeah, but uh, I didn't. I didn't hang out with those people. I found my. I don't know about the people you met, but, or maybe, maybe just the, I don't know, maybe at first it's different meeting people. Cause for me, I'm pretty shy at first. Like whenever I first met you, I was, I don't know. So you don't strike me as that sort of person at all. Yeah. Like, no. You, well, you strike me as someone who's pretty, pretty open and pretty chatty. Uh huh. Once you get me talking. But I mean, it, it um, well, I don't know. Anyways, okay. Uh, yeah, so back Baylor. to conservative, uh, pretentious assholes. Yeah. I mean, they're, de- they're definitely <laughs> there. Right here. They're they're definitely there. Um, I mean, yeah, I get it. I, I'm just saying I you're. It. I'm just I saying it. I've seen them. <laughs> I'm just saying you're cooler than all your friends. That's all I'm you. trying to say. And don't get I me wrong that. when I make some of the comments I make. There are plenty of Christian Baptist friends I have who are not. But it does seem to be in the circle I used to run in a mighty strong theme amongst a lot of my friends, which is why I hang out with people like AJ because. Um, I can respect those and still live a good life and not be a bad person. That's the way you described it, man. Um, I do have to ask this question, man. This this is a super good question. I need to hire him. This dude, Daniel DeMassa, um, really, he, that's his post. That's his comment. So check out the comments after this and, and send him a message or something. But what if somebody wants to put a video together? How do they get a hold of Round 3 Media? What what is? I want to hire you, dude. Oh, uh, you can go to, we have a website, round3media.com, uh, which... We're actually in the process of completely redoing, but I believe the I believe it's up at the moment. I don't think it's under maintenance or anything. But you just go there and there's a contact page, and we just go from there. We hear about what what you need, and we try and figure out how to how to do it. I've All right. Yeah. No, was that was that it? I don't want. I don't mean to cut you. I don't off. have anything else. He's that's it. He's a man. If you will. no, I was gonna try and uh, switch gears a little bit into into skydiving because I think you're yeah. a super super good person to. Uh, I'm hoping that you might have some some questions about skydiving that uh, that that we can uh, that might lead us down some interesting roads. I but mean, not really. I have a hundred jumps. So yeah, but I'm always curious for for anyone who skydives. What what made you do your first jump? Oh, uh, so the reason that the reason why I started it is completely. Completely different from why I'm still doing it. Right, and that's that's my next question. Okay, so is, is what what keeps you there? But I just want to know, like, usually most people come out. It's a birthday. It's a dare. Someone was drinking at the bar. Whatever. I'm just curious, what brought you out? So Ben and I finished our first summer of filming, 
we filmed what June through August, and then Ben was going back to school, and I didn't have anything to do, but we're still going to do round three things. So I was thinking, hey, or we're looking around the internet, what's everyone doing? The whole like action adventure travel videos started getting big, and we were thinking, what should we add to them to you know be to take it to the next level? And so we thought, oh, skydiving would be cool. And, and so I this will be funny. So we thought it'd be cool to add skydiving to the videos, right? And so my whole plan was, I found this place in Houston. It seems like a great place called Space Lane. Like, it's huge, great reviews. I'm going to go there and get my license. At 200 jumps, I can start flying with the camera. And we can start doing that stuff for our videos, and it'll be cool, right? And, and so, shit, you not. The plan from the beginning was to get those 200 jumps in like a month, two months. And then I, I was I can start filming with the camera. In my head, I was thinking, I can start filming with the red, right? And so I was so naive, so oblivious to it all. And I was already thinking of how I was going to do it. I was talking to Ben about it. You know, like, once I get there, I think I can hold it. And maybe I can attach this thing to my body, like a, a ratchet strap to them when I'm done. Like, pull the camera in through the ratchet to make it close to my body and then pull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was. And then whenever I got there and finally started asking questions and learning I mean, I never told anyone this, obviously, because I would look like an idiot. And, uh, yeah, that was my plan from the very beginning when I first showed up for my first tandem. Uh, but that quickly, that quickly went away. But what I found was awesome. And that's, honestly, that's what I hoped that you would say, <laughs> is that you had, uh, I, I hope that you stick with skydiving enough to realize how ambitious some of the things, like some of the ideas that you have are. So that you can just put it in perspective a little bit, Can't but I, I think that that's really only something that would uh, come with enough experience. That without, you know, without the knowledge and without the ability to 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 even try one of these things that you're asking for, you won't really understand what goes into developing that, that okay. skill set. And, if, if that and makes I get any that sense. because I feel like I'm at the level where you know I'm just, I'm just as behind from knowing what. I knew from the beginning, as now I'm just as behind of knowing what I would know at y'all's level. Sure. So uh, what do you think now about jumping with that red camera at, at 200 jumps? That's scary. I don't even, I mean, I might not even jump with the GoPro then, just from hearing how you talk about it and reading things. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it now. Everything is a hazard in in a way. This is, uh, I'm only going to talk about this because it happened just the other day. So we jumped into Moody Gardens the other day. Do you know what Moody, Moody Gardens is? It's like, a, how would you describe Moody Gardens? It's kind of like a theme park. It's a local attraction. They've got three pyramids. One's a terrarium or, or tropical gardens, rather. One's yeah, an but aquarium. It's, but it's not quite a zoo. It's not quite a theme park. Mm. It's just a family. Is that the Christmas attraction? thing? Yeah, we dressed up as elves. I saw those pictures. And jumped into, into, there's a big crowd of screaming kids, right? Uh-huh. And, dude, I was wearing that elf costume. And when I go went figure. to... <laughs> go fuck yourself. When I went to grab my pilot shoot, mm-hmm. I grabbed as much costume as I grabbed hacky. Mm-hmm. And went to pull... I'm trying to open my parachute, and I can't because I'm tugging on my oh, fucking shit. elf dress. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's a scary little moment. Yeah. Of, like, you know, I've had a, I've had a hard pull before because my pilot shoot was... Uh, monkey fisted is like it's it's bound up in the in the boc in the in the pouch in the bottom of the container or uh do you know what a tuck tab pilot shoot looks like yeah so i've had that that tab Uh caught up in in a spot too but i knew it was neither of those things 
this was a thing I hadn't felt before. And I honestly still don't know now whether I was grabbing on the sleeve or on the uh, on the bottom of the dress part. Mm -hmm. But whatever I had in my hand wasn't letting my pilot shoot come out. And I went, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> and looked over my, my shoulder as I would expect to when I, you know, I'm going to look in the direction of something that I'm hoping to fix. And I saw a pilot, I saw a pilot shoot in my hand and saw flapping fabric from parts of my costume. And I just <laughs> threw everything in my hand as hard as I could and hoped for the best. And it worked great. You ripped it. But, yeah. uh, no, the costume was, I didn't rip anything on the costume. I don't know, but it's, a, it's such a silly thing. Like I changed a small thing, you know, mm -hmm. I'm doing a skydive that I felt super comfortable about. Everything about the demo seemed really good. The winds were pretty ideal. Um, it felt great. And one stupid little elf costume could have really messed my day up. And so yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, there are, anytime you change something about the normal way that you do things, it's hard to even take into account all of the, you know, all of the variables that that, that could affect. So when, when you think about jumping a red now, like you're imagining you jumping with that red, however long down the road that is from now, now, now what does it look like? Like, how, what's your rig look like now? Honestly, it, it will probably never happen. Uh, but I uh, at least hope to jump with a GoPro and get some cool shots with that. Why do you say it will... N so I, I love what you're saying, Nick, and people need to understand the, the limitations and and the hindrances and things we have, but at the same time, I wonder why you say it'll never happen, because throwing a camera on your head at 200 jumps, to me, is mainly foolish. Just because a governing body says 200 jumps is enough doesn't mean you shouldn't do some research, some study, some practices. My emergency procedures change dramatically when I wear a camera helmet. But at the same time, to not let yourself have that goal. Why, why do you say no, you won't jump through a camera one day? For me, uh, I have... I have different goals now than when I started. And if we ever need a jump with a red, I would prefer for you to do it. And I, I feel like you would, I, I would hope like to. I mean, if it's a cool project. Dude, it's really fun. It's really stressful jumping that camera. It really is just because it's such a noticeable difference. It's like there's 11 pounds sitting on top of my head and it's like the bulk of the weight of that camera isn't right there at the base. So it's like there are there's 10 pounds up here really far away. You know, and it, f it feels super crazy. And I know the value of the camera, which is just an added stressor that, you know, I know you have insurance on the camera. I know that if I you actually lost our insurance. So there you go. You don't don't tell me that before the jump. <laughs> really? Because yeah. of jumping with they it? They went to our website and dropped us. Oh, wow. wow. But, it, but it's okay. It, it I, I thought that you had checked with your insurance before taking it on a skydive. Did that not happen? Or did uh, you just oh, lie yeah. to me? No, to I, feel no I did. Um, but after. It's a whole thing, but yeah. Yeah, we're on a podcast. Tell a story. So uh, our insurer, I called him. He said yes, but he goes off and finds the actual insurer, right? That's how insurance works, I guess. And so whenever we were up due to re-up, they looked back into us, went to the website and saw all these crazy things we were doing, and we're just too big of a risk to them. <laughs> so what's the value of that camera right now? Uh. I'm not sure. It's it's probably less than ten grand body only. So if I was gonna go look online to buy a red in a similar condition as the one you have, uh, I'm gonna spend about ten grand. Maybe uh yeah seven and a half thousand probably for the body alone a used body. But that's with no batteries, no screen, no right. nothing. Mm -hmm. That's just that's just just the chunk just I'm the gonna box. attach a lens to. Mm -hmm. So let's say that that red disappeared tomorrow, that went on a skydive without anybody else. It was a solo skydive for yeah. that for that camera. 
What's tomorrow going to be like? A really good funeral for that camera because it experienced so many good things. But, it, I mean, how big of a bind is it going to put you in to replace that camera? Oh, yeah. That's a... Uh, that would suck. It would put us in a huge bind. I mean, we don't have a lot of extra cash, like, at all. I don't know. We would... It, w- it would suck. You're such an asshole because you're so positive. It's painful for me. Like this is something that I, dude, I, I hugely admire this about you, and I've noticed that every time we've we've talked about cameras or skydiving or anything, that I I, I ask you a question in hopes of bringing you down, <laughs> and you say some painfully positive thing that I can absolutely agree with and get behind. And it's like, man, I wish I had thought about it that way first. Just gotta stay positive, man. Yeah, and I I. I admire that so much, and I've, uh, I admire I, you too, Nick. I envy it. No, I'm saying I want to steal it from you. You know what I like, envy in you? Like I'm Gollum, and you've got the ring, and I need it. We need each other. Well, that sounds romantic. Well, so what for you Nick, Nick, you're great at storytelling, and that's, that's where we totally by lack accident, hundred percent. Like the amount of times that Nick has made me tear up from his Spaceland videos. Yes, kind of that. Okay, that kind of. I think about that. Because, like, oh, Nick, Nick, you, you got me. You know, another videographer's got me. You know what I mean? And, you know, I really, I don't want to, I appreciate the compliment. I really do. But without the person telling that story, I would have nothing. But also with the editing. Like, if I was filming that, I don't know how to put that together. It's, it's not in our wheelhouse. But together, Nick. Powerhouse. And, I mean. Power yeah. couple. What will our powers the, the, combine to create? I think I think I think in the years to come we're gonna create some cool things together because we need to work together more. I'm down, man. You guys move. You live far away. We have some ideas what that we'll talk about. Chain reaction is that still on your radar? A hundred percent. That one is. Okay, oh, tell tell the story. What is the chain reaction video? So, tell me the story because even I struggle to describe this to people. So it's this idea that came up with thinking of all the different athletes we've worked with, how can we utilize them all together in one video? And, I mean, I th- I think it's possible. I-, I think the hardest thing will be for y'all. I mean, I'm not doubting that. But everything after it, I think, is totally possible. And we've lined up the people. Okay, so anyways. Yeah, t- describe the, pr- the process. What is uh, this chain reaction? Describe this so many times. I just want it to happen. Okay, so it's uh, y'all start in the helicopter. Okay, we got skydivers in a helicopter. Uh-huh. Are there any sexy girls yet? Um, sure, they can push you, you out. Me, yes. sexy girls uh, in a helicopter. Sheridan will push you out, which I hope Sheridan's listening, but maybe not. But she will push you out, Nick. Oh, and then uh, you skydive in, land on the back of the jet ski with the wake surf girl on it. So um, okay, so I, I there, we're, we're this okay. is taking place so over I, water. I, I can't, I can't, I can't say this laying back. It's. I gotta. It's all good. Yeah, get okay, excited, so, man. So okay, we're, yes. we're, where where is this helicopter? What are we flying over? So helicopter over. Ideally, we need a long strip of of just water that's not on the lake, not all choppy. It needs to be very smooth, which we've actually found one in Houston that they held a wake surf competition on, uh, about a mile long. And so you jump out of the helicopter, skydive in. The jet ski's waiting at the beginning of the water. You land on the jet ski. So we've got a course set up in the water. Yes. And it starts with a jet ski. Yes. That I just have to land my parachute on this this moving jet ski. Yeah, easy. For someone who's never seen a parachute land before. You got it. Okay, cool. Easy. Just want to make sure we got all that. <laughs> hey, the guy did it this summer. Before. Yeah, that guy's Jeff got Rowe. like 20,000 skydives. Oh. Jeff Provisano. Well, yeah, he's, he's basically... Badass. He's a... He's, 
He's the guy in the poster behind yeah, you. That's okay. how much of a skydiving superstar he is. Well, that person Air you're Force. describing is literally that's on him? DJ's wall behind Yeah, him. he yeah. is the fucking like team leader He's of the Rebel awesome. Air Force. He's, He's the man. Behind okay. all sorts of projects. Well, besides all this stuff we've talked about practicing. So I saw Michael Jordan dunk stuff. from the free throw line on video once. Can you do that for you me? You got it, Nick. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> just hang your tongue out and you got no, it. No, I just want see I just want to tell you, yeah, it's really fucking difficult, but we're gonna do it anyway. Yes, and we should. So okay. I want to drive the jet. Besides no, so we started Jumped out of the helicopter, opened my parachute, swooped down, land on the back of the jet ski. Go. Yes. Okay. So then the wake surf girl drives you into the back of the wake of the wakeboard boat. She's sexy too, though, right? Can Se- I ride with yeah, her? Yeah, Morgan Lohmeyer. She's awesome. And uh, you, yeah, you can be you, you can be on the tube behind <laughs> with the GoPro. Okay. So then I just uh, want to hug her. Shut up. Um, okay. So as soon as you land on the jet ski, cut away the parachute, right? Then drive into the back of the wakeboard boat wake. Uh, the wakeboarder JB O'Neill. What's up, JB? He goes, hucks it over you guys, high fives you, which he can do no problem. Lands, maybe bust another so, trick. Wait, he's high fiving me. Yeah, he's got to he's got to high five the the skydiver. Okay, yeah, whoever, it might not be me who actually sticks it on the back of the jet ski, okay. but whoever it is, because uh-huh. we're gonna bring a few people out, right? That's the idea. Yeah, because you all only have so many rigs. Right, so we're <laughs> gonna exhaust all the rigs landing in the water, but once one of us actually nails it, mm-hmm. when when he's doing this trick, he's upside down above yeah. me. So there's videos of him doing it, and this is like an easy thing for them. They can do it on a cable on flat, where they just load the line and jump over. So jumping awake and doing it is. So he's jumping the wake of the jet ski. To get no, no, jumping the wake of the wakeboard boat. Y'all drive into the wake. Of oh, the I missed boat. the wakeboard boat. Yeah, sorry. The- Okay, so okay, we're on the jet ski. Yes, driving to the back of the wake from? the wakeboard boat. It's already going in front of y'all as y'all okay. start. Oh yeah, we're on live, and so y'all hear he jumps over you, boom, pop up, and then uh, they'll cut away his the the line to the wakeboarder, and he'll just go away, and then you will drive. You and the wake surf girl will switch spots on the jet ski. Okay, you'll go and drop her off in the wake surf wave as the wakeboard boat that cut away the wakeboarder trans transfers into wake surf mode because they can the new boats can do that very quickly now. Mm-hmm. This two, is all this is all one take. I just want people to keep up with yes, us here. Yes, to meet up with the other <laughs> wake surf boat. And so, uh, what you do is you you sack two boats down opposite of each other, and it creates a wake surf bowl behind the boats. And so whenever you drop her off, her and the other wake surfer will bust a couple tricks. And then uh, <laughs> as they're barreling yes. down the down the highway down the, the lakeway, we'll have the stand-up jet ski guy come down the middle of the boat and bust a double backflip off. He comes between the two boats. Yes. Which is the, which is how you do it. Wake bowl. Yes. And, and how does the person driving the jet ski affect this wake bowl? Because I'm gonna fuck that he, up he for sure. He doesn't at he doesn't at all. Okay, he good. Just, once you drop her off in the in the wave, you're done. And then so he drives between the middle of the boats and bust a double backflip off the back of the wave bowl, which is how you do double backflips on a stand-up jet ski, is by setting up two boats in a, in a barrel situation. I mean, all, everything I'm, I'm explaining has been done before. The hardest parts will be you guys landing on the jet ski and for the jet skier to just stick the double. Because the guy we have, he's the, uh, he's the first one in the world to have done it and the only one, last time I talked to him, the only one currently doing it in the jet ski world. Okay. And he was saying he, this is funny as well. So we, we had it planned for the summer, right? We were very close to doing it. Get that mic a little closer to your face. Oh, there yeah. We, we had it planned for the summer, but it didn't work out, unfortunately, just timing wise and for everyone because the jet ski guy's the furthest one away. I believe he's in California or Washington. I can never remember which one. 
But, oh, yeah, last time I was talking to him, he's the only one in the world uh, doing it at the moment. And he was saying, I mean, I'll go for a triple because I'm getting this new big-ass <laughs> motor. But if anything does go wrong, I need you guys to cover my medical and the cost of repair for his jet ski, which is jet ski's like $40,000. And uh, No, yeah. just stick with a double, homie. Yeah, no, we're going to the double. Um, but, yeah, that's our plan. And I just really want to bring it to life at some point. I hope it does. I don't okay, want to say it will. Let's just say hypothetically, I'm going to miss that jet ski a couple of times. I do not swim well. How are you going to save my life? We'll have a, uh, a savior jet ski. Is this, is this pretty girl strong enough to pull me up out of the water? Even though I'm full-on panic mode, drowning victim we'll put floaties with the parachute? On Dude, I will rock those floaties. They'll be awesome. All right, floaties. Floaties. Can we get Gravity Lab sponsored floaties? Hey, Gravity Labs, you want to sponsor this project? Yeah, we'll give it to uh, one member of Gravity Labs. I'll risk y- yeah, that's about <laughs> it, man. You know how much money this podcast has taken in so far? Zero dollars and zero cents. You this is a feel that. negative number. I negative, yeah, and I've only spent a couple on it. Yeah, I'm sure you've spent a lot more on your project than I have on mine, so for sure. I feel it. Um, some people have actually asked, and I'm super curious. I, I think I know some of these answers because I have friends with YouTube channels, but as Round 3 Media goes, I think one of the obvious answers to how do you get income is you do some corporate gigs. You do you are for hire, but other than that, how lucrative can be, and you, you don't have to share ex- exact numbers, but how lucrative can be viral videos? Uh, they can be, I guess, if, if you don't spend a lot on it. But the uh, yeah, we we do get most of our income from video corporate videos that no one will ever see. Uh, but the YouTube stuff, I mean, nowadays it's not as lucrative as it used to be. So ten years ago, when YouTube was first getting going, I mean, they were paying YouTubers to to start their channels. They were giving them budgets to to do more stuff just because it was a new thing. And nowadays, YouTube's cutting ad rates. They're cutting off a lot of channels from being monetized in general and it's just youtube's not in a good place at the moment honestly we just put our stuff on there now just because it's an audience and we want people to see our stuff we don't put it on there anymore for money i mean we do get some money from it but it's nothing to nothing worth bragging about yeah so uh, it's music is one of the biggest questions we get and i'm sorry i'm going to retract this conversation back to this is when we did the film festival, Festival, my initial call was it has to be royalty-free music or you own the rights to music because Facebook will legitimately take it down. Um, you, they Actually, if you try to post, po- post, post a video to Facebook and actually, hold on, Nick, and post a video. Ah, look at that, dude. I put me on Facebook. What's up, Facebook? How y'all doing up there? Um, if I try to post a video to Facebook, it immediately says, you can't post this video to Facebook. The music's copyrighted. And you just say, fuck you. There's a fuck you button. Yeah. And, and, and you move on. People ask all the time, uh, what, what, where do you get your music? What do you use for music? How do you get the rights to music? Where, what do you guys do? Okay, so, uh, f- so for YouTube, and you, you say like Facebook has a fuck you button, just use it because... The way it works is whenever you want to use a big song, if if you just put it up, what the music artist will do more often than not is just monetize your video for their own gain because if your video does blow up, they get money from it. It looks good on them. People are hearing it. It's a win-win situation. 
But if you want to actually make money off of your video with using their song, then you have to contact them. You have to get the rights to it, which it's always ridiculous. Sometimes we've, we've gotten lucky and gotten rights cheap, but just by getting lucky. And so, so yeah, if you want to use anything, just use it because we've only had it happen once to where an artist actually had our video taken down because we used their song. We, we always upload a, a test video to see what happens because it'll YouTube will tell you. Either they will monetize it, they'll have it taken down, or they'll do nothing about it, which acts, we've also had them do nothing about it, and we can monetize it. Great. But yeah, just use it. it you, you will not get in trouble for it. So as long as you just are comfortable press pushing that fuck you button on Facebook... Yeah, your stuff's gonna stay up. Do shit about it. All right, I've been intimidated by the fuck you button, so Mm -hmm. I'm gonna throw that out the window. I mean, realistically, the worst thing they do is take down your video. That really is the worst thing they'll do, and then go put it on Vimeo. Go fuck you. Yeah, uh, Vimeo stands for fuck you. Throw up YouTube. Throw up a test video and see what happens with that song. And if nothing happens, go for it. I like that advice. And just to be clear for anybody doing the film festival next year, I have included the fuck you button. Uh, the only risk if you ever enter our film festival is if Facebook actually pulls you down, you can't win. And Facebook hasn't pulled any of it down yet. I think that's fair enough. Dude, it, it's it's uh, the 100 Jump Wonder question, man. Where else were you going with that? Oh, uh, I guess I was going to ask after what got you into skydiving is what kept you in skydiving. You guys. Meaning what? 100%. The community. Like I, I went there yes. not not thinking my whole mindset was based around the goal, getting those jumps, doing that. Jumping the red. Yeah. But in it it was just more so about the uh I found a community that I never even knew was there. And it's one of the best communities. Out of the wakeboarding, wake surfing, motocross, all of those things I've been around, the skydiving community is by far the just best one i don't know what it is about it i don't know if it's just the 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 danger of it kind of like hey we're jumping out of planes but just something about it brings all y'all together where everyone's on the same level what is it and i i think it's just a mutual i mean this is just me speculating i have no fucking idea what it is Stephen and i have had some talks about this recently which is why it's kind of fresh in my brain and why i have a response it i think it's just uh We're all just there for the same thing. Like, no one's there to to brag or to, you know, show, like... People are just genuinely themselves, I think, in skydiving. And to me, the people who stand out as the ones that don't fit in, I think they stand out really badly because they're trying to pretend to be something that they're not. But people who are just genuine and show up and be themselves, regardless of what that looks like, I think skydiving is a super open and super inviting and super inclusive community because we're, we're all just chasing this feeling, right? This feeling that I got on my first jump that I don't get on every jump and that I still get when jumps go really well. And it's like, I want that, I want that feeling. I want to feel like I'm good at this. I want to feel like, I think one of the things that I like about making videos is it's a chance to give back and let other people feel good about what we're doing yeah. by, by watching it. But uh, do, do you have a different opinion than of, of what it is? What that, what's that binding agent? I mean, you've kind of already, AJ, started with, with, with the I don't know, but what's your take on it? I mean, I, you and I have a similar take, Nick, because you, we have a similar experience, but you, you're new. Why do you think we feel this way? Why do we think we bond? Oh, well, I mean, like I said a, a second ago, it's, I think it's just the, 
I really feel like it's the the danger aspect of it. That's what I thought. That I thought that's what the different thing was across the different sports was. We're all jumping out of planes. It this is a serious fucking thing, you know, to to, to the outside world. And now that we're in it, like we we know you know how the gear works, so it's it's not as crazy as as you would think. So this is leading me down a, a totally different road. I have an interesting question. Have you felt unsafe on a skydive? Um, I would say there there has been that that one in my in my hundred jumps. What's hundred jumps, dude? Dude, hundred jumps was a shitload of jumps. I thought when I had a hundred jumps, there was there was uh, I, there was one that stands out that I was thinking, uh, this, you know, this is just the certain all the different factors were didn't seem to add up to to be the most super safe. And tell me about the jump. Um, so. One of the things was earlier that day, there were two guys from out of the country that on the same jump as me didn't follow landing pattern and just completely cut across. And so they were on the load with me. And then also the, I was, oh, the, the, the load was full. So it was, it was a fast, fast exit, you know, not, not the most separation you can get. Everyone was just going. And so I knew we didn't have that separation, which kind of worried me. And then also the uh the guy I was jumping with I didn't really know it was with KDP KDP what's up she's awesome KDP is awesome uh which may- maybe she remembers this jump it was with an older guy an an old like war veteran I believe and so I, that just kind of threw me off and then as soon as we jumped out like he separated and just trying to get back get back into the the round because we had a whole formation and and it's just the three of you Yes, and, and everything. So you, you guys had had planned the jump, mm-hmm. and everything we were gonna do is also sunset, last load of the day, and just I mean it completely went to shit. And so I I, I just remember just trying to keep just awareness of where everyone is, where are we? Because I knew we were kind of wonky for sure, and uh, yeah, just it was just those little things that made me think there are a couple different factors that were making me nervous, but it all worked out. I trusted in KDP to not take me on a, I mean, she's someone there with a lot of experience, so I knew she wouldn't be going up jumping if it, if nothing, you know, you know what I mean? Well, I'm super glad that you use the word awareness because that is one of my most favorite words to use when I'm talking about skydiving safety is it's like, I feel like a lot of problems just stem from a lack of awareness of just like the person who drives on the road, like they're the only one driving, you know, they don't use their signal, they're swerving across all the lanes, it's like they own the fucking freeway. Asians. Asians, <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Open your eyes, yes. what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> but, the world uh, in HD. But to me, those are the people that make the freeway dangerous, those are the same people that make skydiving dangerous, is the people who, to them, it's just all about their jump, it's all about what they're doing, they don't really realize that uh, there was, in fact, a group of people that left before them, and there was, in fact, a group of people that left after them, and that we're all sharing that airspace, and that, you know, the landing pattern really is a thing that's there for a reason, and being aware of other people's, uh, you know, positions with their levels, and how, you know, are they above you, are they below you, all of that stuff, that I feel like that's something that uh, can be a little lost on on new jumpers, that it, it almost takes uh, a little bit of experience to develop that level of awareness, and to get over the kind of self-centered feeling that can happen when someone is on their skydive, you know, yeah, yeah. someone that's brand new to it. It's like, they don't care 
Like they, the only thing they're waiting for is the person and getting out before them to get out, so they can jump out and do their flips and do their thing, you know. And I'm not saying that that's everybody, but I think I especially identify with it because that was me. Like when I started jumping, dude, I just I had a totally misunderstanding of what skydiving was. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Would about you? jumping out of planes and doing flips and being gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> that's just my that was just my understanding. I wish someone would have told me it wasn't. I wish someone would have sat me down and been like, hey, dude, like this is going to get boring if you do it like this. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be rewarding. And you're going to get sick of doing it by yourself. Mm-hmm. I did a shitload, shitload of solos. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that I was going to suck at it. Like I had really bad skydiving fundamentals that took me a really long time to fix because I learned it wrong. And no one sat me down and said, hey, man, pump the brakes. You're not doing it right. And I think that there was a level of experience lacking where I learned. It wasn't a place at all like Spaceland. But uh, I think that that's why I feel like it's almost our duty to say to newer jumpers of like, hey, dude, you're going to have a lot of time to enjoy this stuff when you get good at it. But right now, man, enjoy the journey. Work on these things that, that yeah. might seem... <laughs> uh, belly jumps might seem boring to some people, especially if you suck at it. But when you get good on your belly, man, some of the funnest jumps I've been on are, are belly jumps. What, when you think about being a good skydiver, what does that look like to you? Like a skilled skydiver? What, 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 do, you, what do you imagine? Shredding the sky. What, is that, what does that mean? Uh, like flying, just being able to... Being able to do anything you imagine. Yeah. Is that just, a fair statement? Just flying smooth and... Being cool, but also being safe, because I know you guys, yeah, you're like y'all, y'all, y'all know that's one aspect of it. But what I see are the the cool things, and so, I, yeah, okay, being a good skydiver, yeah, being able to do that, but also having the the safety side, you know, knowing what will what could kill you, and what will prevent that. Have you seen any accidents in your time skydiving? Have you seen anybody get hurt? Um, I've been there before when one guy, uh. He was a low jump number. Just I think he had a low turn and like, broke his leg or something. Um, Did you were there? Did mm-hmm. you see it? No, I was uh, on the same load as him. Okay, I was, and uh, yeah, I just remember walking in and then being, you know, everyone's kind of something had happened. Did you have any feelings a- about it when you when you noticed that that had happened? Just, I mean, mainly, it happens. You know, don't 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 let up. Just keep being aware. I well, learned from it. I want to turn this. I want to turn the tables for one second because you've not been in the sport, AJ, very long. Two um, years. Two years. I, Nick and I have been in the sport combined probably thirty plus years. You've, you're over ten now. Yeah, I think I'm. Uh, yeah, 11, 11 and a half. Okay. So unfortunately, I've seen several people actually actually watch them die. And I, I, I hate to sound morbid, but Nick, have you watched somebody die? Yeah, I've watched someone. Uh, this is a skydive Arizona. This uh-huh. is my first year skydiving during the holiday boogie. Two two people went in in two days. Yeah. Uh, one was a canopy collision. One was someone making a low turn to avoid a canopy collision. And I saw him working on the guy in the in the field. I mean, I wasn't close enough to look into his eyeballs as he departed. But you but, watched him die. But yeah, I watched someone, uh, you know, trying to resuscitate the guy unsuccessfully. Yeah. Unfortunately, or, or I, I guess I guess uh, more uh, appropriately stated, fortunately, in our world, we don't get or we don't have to see people die very often. I've watched one of my best friends, a guy named Dennis Anderson, as I'm sure he died on impact, but two, three minutes later, I watched, I watched him bleed. 
uh, and that was heavy. But way before that, I've got to watch my friends die skydiving. How did and, and AJ? I'm sorry, I'm turning the tables to Nick and Nick making you a temporary guest. But how did watching somebody die really weigh on you? How did that affect you? Uh, it got super real, super quick. Where you know all the things that I had learned about the risks and about uh, you know all the bad things that you kind of develop that sense of this can't, this doesn't actually happen. You know, like sure I drive my car every day, but I'm not actually at risk for dying in a car accident. Like that sort of you know the the feeling that you have that makes you okay with the risk that you've you've assumed that goes away really fast or went away really fast in that situation and and the sim- situations that have been similar to it where it's like yeah this is super real mm-hmm. and i don't think that i always pay it the respect that it deserves and i think that that's where complacency is born and i think that uh you know having conversations like this and it's one of my favorite things about talking to newer jumpers especially when someone uh, does something in a way where they could have done it better and it provides you an opportunity to talk about it. I think the more that you talk about those things and you share them and you share your own experiences and you know share the moments where it got real for you, that it's just a constant reminder of, oh yeah, like complacency really is the thing and I understand what that means. And you can think of the, the, the times or the situations where you find yourself being complacent, notice them easier and turn that feeling off and, and turn on something else, turn, on, turn awareness back on. So uh, the short answer, yeah, it, uh, it doesn't feel awesome to see it. It's super, it gets super real super fast. It's definitely a disgusting feeling. And, and uh, you know, I, I've, I, I'm sure you have. I've watched friends of mine actually die, go in is what we say in the sport. And it's pretty heavy. And you wonder why as new jumpers, why so, some of us come across and say, hey, man, don't do this, do this. It's because we've lost our fucking friends, dude. I have lost a very good friend of mine to the sport every other year for the last 20 years, basically. It's been super heavy, and yet we charge on. And AJ, I like what you said. We need to still do that. We need to charge on. The first person I saw pass away, I was on a 10-minute call when I watched her bounce. It might have been a less than a 10-minute call. Like, we watched her hit the ground impact, and then they say, five-minute call, Otter 3, whatever Otter it was, and another DZ. And for me, getting back on the plane really was what, what I needed to do and where I needed to go. AJ, for you, was there a turn-on moment? Was there a place in time that made you decide, I need to shift my focus and really be that safer guy? Yeah, f- I think pretty close in the beginning, as soon as I started learning, really learning about it. And I mean, in the first, probably between jump five and 10, that's when I started really taking the gravity of there are so many different little things that can kill you. You know, it's like, what if you went in, what's going to be the thing that they say happened to you? You know? Yeah, what's, what's your uh, incident report look like? Yeah. And uh, so at that point, that's when I really started just reading into the, the different things, trying to, trying to get to know what can happen, how to prevent it, just really reading up on it. Uh, that, that was really the turning point. And that, I mean, that's when my whole view shifted as well and just started taking it as something else, just something more of, hey, I really want to do this. How can I do it? And uh still be able to do everything else in life I want to do. Right. I think for me, I have kind of two separate mentalities when I think about it. There's a mentality that I think about in this serious, almost grim way when I'm reading and learning and uh, about it. And then when I'm communicating it and practicing it, I want to think about what we can focus on for success. 
not of like, hey, if you do this, you're going to die. I think that's the wrong mentality to have, especially in the moment. I think uh, it's a lot more productive and uh, yields a much more positive and uh, it's a more contributive state of mind to focus on the things that are going to do well. Hey, if we can think about this, this, and this, and shift your focus to this, and we're going to do it this way, if you focus on all the positive things, uh, how, how would I phrase this, DJ? Don't, don't, don't teach don't. Don't say don't. Don't say don't. And, I mean, that's one of the things that I, I really try to live by. I'm not the best at this next statement. But when you fuck up, and, and I really, this message is for the experienced jumper, not for the new jumper. When you fuck up, you know you fucked up. It's rare that you don't. And realistically, who is harder on you than you? I bet money most of my friends listening to this tonight will lay in bed and say worse things about themselves than I can say about them. I know at night I lay down and think, why did I say that that way? I'm such a piece of fucking shit. And, and we all do that to ourselves regularly. And so when people fuck up, I'm an experienced jumper. I try my best. I'm not always successful at letting them be because AJ fucks up. AJ makes a mistake and he's beating himself up. And then I run up to AJ and go, what the fuck are you doing? You're going to fucking kill yourself. And now what I've done is I've recused AJ from being the asshole. I've now taken AJ's guilt away. I've taken AJ's problem away. And the problem is now DJ's an asshole, which I'm very <laughs> capable of being. And as experienced jumpers, this message is more for me than anybody else. When you see somebody fuck up, let them stew in their own fucking filth. We've all fucked up. Has anybody listening to this, and I'm going to ask you guys, have you ever fucked up and thought, I'm cool, I didn't fuck up? I've seen one, I mean, in my 100 jumps, I saw one guy do that, and I've, I saw people tell him, and he was just kind of, hmm, it's some visitor to Spaceland. One guy that didn't do the landing pattern took it, and that, to me, rubbed me the wrong way. But other than that, everybody has felt bad about their mistakes without yeah, us saying anything. I, I do think that there's a level of genuine ignorance that someone honestly could have fucked up and be completely unaware of that. I do yes. believe that that's happened. But don't yell at them because it's but a mistake. No, no, you shouldn't yell at them because the moment, that you, the moment you get aggressive with somebody, you're going to lose a learning opportunity. So I think we've all, I mean... Anyone with enough experience, we've all been uh, there in the situation to be jeopardized is a strong word, but potentially impacted by someone else's poor choices or lack of awareness. Is that is that a fair statement? You might kill my friends or my wife is how I look at sure. it. Sure. That's, that's an aggressive territorial male way to think about it, but I th but agree with the true. thought. That's, that's the feeling. That's the thought that inspires that... Uh, initial aggressive reaction that I think we've probably all had like I'm gonna rip this motherfucking guy's heart out of his chest and scream in his face while I watch him die like that's like sure none of us are actually gonna do that but that's the feeling that you have of like hey man you realize you could have killed me just now that's what you want to yell at somebody but man that is not we've probably I, I've I've started that conversation in the wrong way absolutely I'm guilty of it and I think most people who have spent time in the sport have probably done the same thing. But that is when you lose somebody. That's when you lose someone as a friend, probably, at yeah. least for a little bit. And that you take this situation where they genuinely would have learned something if you would have just, uh, just talked to them differently. And uh, given yourself enough time to cool down. 
but not so much time that they're going to lose reference from the point that you're trying to bring to them. So if you can go inside, set your gear down, take a couple of breaths, and then say, hey, hey, AJ, can we can we talk about the landing pattern? Let's come out here and, and look at the map. Hey, I don't know if you're aware of this. This is what happened on the setup. This is where you were. If you're in this spot, we're going to have a lot better flow with, with traffic or wh whatever the issue is. That if I can uh, paint you the picture, make you understand before I have accused you of anything, and I'm just providing you an opportunity to do it better, people hear it a, a lot better. And uh, I only know this because I did it wrong before and noticed mm -hmm. a difference in the reaction when someone, uh, when I heard someone talk about how to how to do it right. But uh, someone with uh, with a hundred jumps, you uh, let's say that you identify the situation. Let's say that you watched this person do the wrong thing. There, there's something that's super uh, common and almost. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not a disease in skydiving, but it's just like uh, people want to be the, the person that tells someone else that they fucked up. Okay, yeah, I get like that. Like that there's almost like a, hey, you're not supposed to do that. Like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing that. Hey, the, hey. Yeah, I get to, to where you're nagging and being a, you're being a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that, yeah. That, like that attitude isn't isn't helpful, where you're just trying to to make some little thing that someone's doing that... You know, maybe that's not what the rules say they're supposed to be doing, but honestly, right now in this situation, it's not affecting someone. So I'm just not going to say anything about it in this moment because it's just not the time or the place to do it. Where I think someone someone with a low level of experience who sees someone do the wrong thing and they want to be really quick to jump up and be the, hey, stupid, why'd you do this? Especially in front of people, you're going to really lose someone doing it in a public way. Mm -hmm. You're really going to lose someone by being aggressive or, or being... Uh, uh, you know, you you know, you're you're worked up. You're you're not going to handle it well, more than likely. So, if let's say AJ with a hundred jumps saw someone do this thing where they flew the wrong pattern, if I were you and I wanted that issue addressed, I would talk to someone with more experience because there's a chance that maybe you didn't see what you think you saw and maybe you misunderstood what you saw, and uh, it might be an opportunity that I could tell you, hey, you know, oh, sometimes it works like this for for this reason. This is kind of a loophole to this thing that you thought you understood. And uh, maybe you're going to have a totally legitimate claim. Maybe this person did do the wrong thing. They landed the wrong direction and they endangered people. And they have no idea right now because where they came from, they flew a right-hand pattern. And they were just doing the thing they normally do. And there wasn't an accident. So maybe they don't know that there was a problem. They, don't, they mm -hmm. didn't see the person they cut off because they were below them, whatever it is. So I think in that situation, it's beneficial to talk to the person. But to find the right person to start the conversation, I think, is also uh, an important step. DJ? One of the things I, I look at and I encourage, we teach it in a coach course, let a pack job finish before you approach anybody. Whenever possible, energies are high when you land from a skydive because you just made a fucking skydive. If you're not excited about skydiving, fucking stop, dude. Energies are high, so let a pack job go by to subside that energy, to, to, to subside, to let that energy go down and let people better interpret the communication you're about to have. But what I'm really curious about is, is from the perspective of a hunter jump uh, guy, how, what's your take? How do you feel about when people approach you? What, res what, what, what makes you respond best to people? Um... Yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, I, I would be way more receptive to someone coming up and being level-headed about it rather than jumping all over my ass and immediately because, of course, it, you know, I think it's just natural to push back on something like that. 
DJ loves to push back, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> when you're getting all up on his ass. Yeah, baby. Call me goat. Yeah. So I, I feel like we're lecturing you right now for a, I like that you haven't done anything wrong. And we're just saying, hey, dude, this and this and this. It's definitely happened before, and I, I definitely appreciate it. You know, I, I realize I don't know how to do everything. And so when someone tells me, as long as they are being nice, I, I take it in. Do you know how good it is to hear from someone with your level of experience of like, yeah, I don't know everything. I wish I wish more people had that I thought mean, because when when I had a hundred jumps, dude, I was the shit. I mean, I can. I was writing plane, the motherfucking dude. book about skydiving. Yeah, you you don't even know how good I am at free flying, bro. You don't know me. <laughs> and I never would have said that, but like I remember experiencing that mentality when someone would question me and uh, imply that I didn't have the experience for something. I'd be like, dude, you don't even know how good I am at this. And only now, with real experience, do I realize what a stupid fucking shithead I was by thinking that way. And so if you can find the humility and doubt yourself and realize, hey, even though you've had a hundred successful skydives, doesn't make you king shit at this. Like, there's a really good chance that you still really suck at it. And if you are that one-tenth of one percent people who are actually naturals at skydiving, don't be a conceited fuck about it. Because yeah. that's just going to make people not want to jump with you. Have Have you seen that video from, uh, I think it's the, I think they might be in Norway. It's in a different language where they had that series of the pilot, the the student, the ev- every s- different type of person at the drop zone. They made a little mini series of them. And I don't one, think I've seen it. One of them is the student and it's so funny. It's, I mean, it's just like. Of course, it's all acted, but it's it's pretty good. You should look it up. We'll have to find that and uh, and and post it in those uh, comments. I they, am they, looking. I'm getting good at your job. Are you? No. You're gonna you're gonna replace me? No. <laughs> Are you gonna replace me? Hey, can you just bathroom not. real quick? Yeah, go for it, man. Go so for it. so DJ, I heard that we're gonna have a karaoke night in the near future. Is that true, dude? Straight up, uh, Gravity Lab Radio. We're trying to do some more like social shit. Uh, the door to your right, right, right next to me. Um. We're trying, dude. We should put the microphone up against the wall and here. See if we can hear people. No, I don't, uh, no <laughs> I because don't you're it. never gonna do that to me ever. No, uh, dude. We're trying to do some more social things, uh, some film nights, just like showing Drop Zone, the movie uh, at the DZ or whatever. But our our next goal is uh, karaoke night, and this is actually your idea. Yeah, I uh, I just want to sing Young MC's "Bust a Move" in front of a crowd full of my buddies. So uh, yeah, karaoke night. Best Obvious, friend Larry. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, the other, man, there, there's the, the karaoke night super dope. I really want to do it, but I'll tell you right now, this has been a pure cost venture for me. I've spent, and I'll be a little bit open and transparent right now, I've spent about two grand on this show. Um, and that's not counting the fact that I bought a projector and a screen to do film festivals in the future. So I've, sp- I've spent uh, close to $2,800 on, on this venture at this point. And, and I'm, there's zero complaints. It's been 100% worth a hobby that this has been. To do the karaoke night, it's going to cost us a little bit of money, and I'm go- I'm I'm to the point now where shameless fucking begging is where I'm at, and I don't mind. If you guys think a karaoke night at Skydive Space in Houston would be off the hook, if you think getting together with your friends and singing to a microphone and having a good fun fun drunken night is a good time, which 
I think sounds like a damn good time. It does sound like a party. Hit up Nick. Hit me up. Let us know if you're willing to donate any money to help us get this karaoke night together because we will take donations for this. I am open. I do have a Venmo account. I won't share it publicly. Uh, actually, I guess I could because they could just, you know, give me money. Okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Yeah, so DJ-Marvin is my Venmo account. Uh, they could ask me for money, but I don't have to pay it. So, um, uh, dude, let us know if you're interested in this karaoke night. And please, oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Hold on. Boom! I'm on video, biatch. Um, please let us know, and, and 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 I really don't mind if people support financially what we're doing. Uh, not only are we doing a karaoke night, I plan on this winter doing a movie night. Uh, I'm actually the movie is dropzone.com or not dropzone.com, dropzone the movie with Leslie Snipes. We're gonna have a night where we just fucking throw a movie up on that big screen and projector we got. So we're planning on some social fun. Stuff. I like that movie night, dude. We, man, I you know I I. I'm ashamed to say this, but I haven't seen the movie Drop Zone since I started skydiving. The movie Drop Zone was the final... Well, no, actually, my buddy Steve Barker, I've talked about him in the past. But as far as media goes, the movie Drop Zone was the last straw that got me into skydiving. Terminal Velocity, Point, bre- point Break, Terminal Velocity, Drop Zone. That That is pretty much what <laughs> got me sold. Uh, actually, it's Terminal Velocity, Drop Zone, Point Break. Or no, no, I did that backwards. But um, we're going to do more of these things. We're, we're going to have a little bit more fun. Um I love skydiving. It's been a great thing for me. But uh, this podcast has actually done a lot to reignite, dude. I, I've fun jumped four days in the last two weeks, which which is unique. So, uh, guys, help support this. You're you're really actually sharing a passion for me, not just of the podcast, but of the sport, man. I've, I've randomly jumped with uh, a lot of our friends. Kevin Craig, who listens to the show a lot. I did a couple backfly jumps with him and helped him out. Uh, a lot of our other friends. Let us know. Hit us up. Help us out. Let's get this shit going. But uh, what I do want to know is we're wrapping up. You, Mr. Uh, AJ Aguirre, I said that right? See. Yeah. Uh, you're a new jumper. What advice would you give somebody right now who has 25 jumps? They just got their license. What should they do over the next 100 jumps? And I'll start with an easy statement. Take advantage of my wife. I mean, the <laughs> men, my, my wife runs a, runs a mentor program at Spaceland Houston. They're free fucking coach jumps. You can get 75 jumps. Hit Valerie up, hit me up, hit Nick up. We'll tell you more about that. But what would you recommend people do? Yeah, those free jumps were awesome. I definitely did some with Val, and they were great. Learned a lot. Definitely take the uh, canopy course with the, the Master Raider, the Master Raider DJ. Master, Master Raider. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, uh, and I, I don't disagree, uh, man, the, I mean, the, the yeah. mentor jumps I think are, are super great. What, what's been like the funnest part of skydiving for you? Like when you think about like the funnest jump you've been on, like the, is there one that stands With out? With you guys. Uh, the, the helicopter. Yeah, the helicopter. Tell, t- tell the story. Um, so we got the helicopter down to Waco. So what, the, what was the helicopter doing up there? Why we're, did you have we're it? We were trying to make a, uh, a game day video because the original plan was we have the waterway in front of the stadium, so we're going to skydive in in front of the boats. But unfortunately, the cloud cover was at like 900 feet that morning. And so all we got to do were the practice jumps the day before, but we did like five or six jumps, and it was a blast. We were just having a good time. Who who owns that helicopter? Um, or I, I guess who has access to the helicopter? Eli Malloy. Uh, he's out of Fort Worth. He's uh he's just a heli pilot. He's RH, but he has a he flies it for a guy that owns it, and yeah. And did that guy knew that he knew that we were jumping out of that thing? He did, but uh, I think yeah. After that video, the summer went viral, and everyone was contacting them, 
he put a stop to the jumping out. But by the way, the stuff we were doing the summer, FA like investigated and they were fine with it. It was just the internet cowboys like, we're gonna get them, you know. Really, someone had a problem with us jumping out of that helicopter? Oh no, not the jumping. It was the hanging from the skids and jumping into. Oh, the pool. okay, yeah, I didn't do any of that. But no, yeah, jumping out. I mean, the owner just put a stop to it just because so many people were calling him. But it it ended up super fine. Well, so about about the jump from the helicopter. Uh, what? Wh- tell me about it. Like where 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 were we? What uh, was the at landing BSR area like? in Waco, Texas? It was it's basically a, a ranch. It's where that big slide is. It's on the other side, the owner's private side, and just has a big tons of acres of pasture. I feel like it was have a you safe seen BSR place. at all, DJ? Aside from that video that you watched, um, I, I've actually never seen it in person. I've it's, seen a few BSR videos. Besides, it's super cool. They have a lot of wildlife there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he's, what are the little things that live on the island? Oh, lemurs. Yeah. Lemurs for real? Lemurs? Yeah, dude. He's like, got Pimba, Tumba, Pamu, what's the name of that Disney movie? Like the gray and black stripe. Timba. Yeah, Timba. they're little monkey looking fellas with silly faces. What's the name of that Disney And they guys? put them on the island Lion because King. they can't. Liking? Timba and Pamu? Is that no, it? Oh, yeah, no. not He's Tim, not one of those. No, t- Timon is. there. It's a, it's a funner animal than Timon and Pumbaa. Okay, that's the name. Yeah. Yes, I'm but, old. No, <laughs> look, up, uh, look up a lemur. They're they're like these little gray and black striped monkey things that have these little human hands and a ridiculous look on their face at all times. They're nice. They they love bananas. It's but they they live on an island at this cable park. They live on an island that's surrounded. I was going to say an island surrounded by water because I'm <laughs> retarded. But uh, yeah, they live on an island that's surrounded by the cable park. Yeah, and they put them there because they can't swim. Tiny little idiots, just like me, can't even swim. <laughs> <laughs> you can't swim, dude. I am a, I am terrified of water. You look good you in don't, our WC. You don't coat. remember when Ben Nelson was trying to talk me into scuba diving? That's right. That's because I do not I do not do that shit. Hey, I'm with you on that. I You're I not can't. A swimmer? I I scoot. No, I'm a swimmer, but I scuba dived once and I can't do it. See, Ben, there's no hope. AJ just I was making progress. I was gonna do it to conquer my fear. Back at square one. I I mean Never I agree. Happen. I think that's just. I always thought I, I'd be. I I thought always thought I could do it, but then I did it once, and I was I was freaking out. I was <laughs> that guy, dude. I would have that panic attack. I know it. I've had that panic attack on the surface with a snorkel oh, on. Oh man, I the the instructor made me go down. I mean, we were only down like thirty feet, but still. I'm was his name Kevin Spacey? Just trying to be us. <laughs> 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 oh, dude. Hey, speaking of, now is a great time to enter the film industry. Or it's going to be after the, all this Yeah, after we're clearing players. out half of the fucking celebrities. Yeah. Jesus. Dude, I was super disappointed to see Louis C.K. Oh, caught up in it. Oh, that hurt. O- only because, honestly, I feel like he probably pulled his dick out for some girls that were hanging out. And it's like, hey, if you're hanging out with a dude and he pulls his dick out and you don't like it, you can leave. <laughs> like, I, dude, he's just he's just such a, dude, he's such a huge star in my mind. And I think that he's a pretty honest and genuine person. But I mean, it's, I guess it's, it really is hard to know what anyone's like in their in their personal or social life compared to what they're like on stage. But man, like when you weigh, like let's say Bill Cosby drugging and raping women, and Kevin Spacey making young children blow him, <laughs> I don't think pulling your dick out for adult women is in the same league as that shit. Well, when you put it that way, yeah, I don't think he's that bad of a guy. 
if I was famous, I'd show more people my dick. I mean, I'll probably still listen to his comedy specials every now and then. Of course you will, dude. But fucking Netflix canceled his comedy, his latest one. Oh, that's oh, that so new depressing. movie that was coming out. Yeah, that's what something about. I uh, wanted to see that. But God, do you think if like I went and and looked at his dick like voluntarily, do you think that takes one of those strikes away? Might get the show back. I think you um, just want to look at his dick. I will stare that thing down the barrel if it gets him back on TV. Stare right in the one eye. <laughs> I'm hoping that movie will leak. It's leak. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so the the rest of that skydive. So we were. This was your first jump, not on a drop zone, correct? Uh, that was the third. I'd already done those two heli jumps before. Oh really? Where? Uh, in Page, Texas, uh, with the Ghost Squad, with uh, oh, those rule breakers, Eric Jackson. Those guys got in some trouble for that stuff. I uh, have, I don't know. I, I will I let you plead ignorance. I mean, I but am. I still someone, am. Someone, someone should have known better. That's all I'll say. All I know is that. What did they get in trouble for? Doing some bandit jumps. Doing some. Not at Page, though. Not at that ranch. Oh, maybe not. Maybe I'm no. May- maybe it's a different event. I would think so, just because the the ranch event that Eric Jackson hosts and holds there, I don't see any legitimate issues with you it know, at I all, think outside of who's jumping there. Okay. And I think he does a decent job of picking. At least he did early on. I believe I might have been at a different one than whatever ones beforehand that y'all... I don't know. I'm talking about it's in Page, and it's at uh, his parents' ranch. Is that what you did? I think that's middle of no yes. middle of nowhere enough. I don't, but know. I don't think that was an issue. Yes, concur. But, uh, okay, well then. Yeah, I don't know enough of the details to, to talk the, about. The okay. other one that you're but thinking. That's why I was curious. I just no, the one I knew was good. But, but I, I had. But a, on these I like them. these jumps in BSR, wha, how how what it seemed it, like the same sort of deal that they were doing. Did it? Yes. Okay. Because I know um, from my ben, experience, Ben Ben Nelson is someone who is to a point. Uh, Almost irritably focused on safety, he's just really good at uh, at thinking of things that most people would overlook, and almost to a fault where it's like, "Hey, man, I think we're all right." Safety Nazi, but he is, and I and I appreciate him for it yeah. because he he ca- you know he's just got the mind for it. He's has he has a whole career of being a you know a safety uh, team lead, responsible for people if they yeah. you know didn't do the right thing, they weren't going home that day. And that's uh, life of being on, a, on an oil rig in the middle of the, the Gulf. But uh, oh, I don't remember why I started talking about Ben other than I'm in love with him. We were talking about the jumps. Oh, with the, oh yeah. So yeah. Ben was someone who was really great at uh, being in touch with uh, Eli and talking about. And oh, being in touch with uh, Jason Hyder was actually a, a big resource for us about, hey, this, these are the jumps that we're doing. Here's the airspace. What do we need to do? And then Eli had the connections of getting the notams and uh, the mm-hmm. paperwork pushed through at the last minute. Mm-hmm. So I know for sure that all the paperwork was on the level, even if we had jumped into the more congested area of town where, where mm-hmm. Baylor was. I know that all that stuff was on the level. But um, with that Baylor I, video, did you guys actually jump into a game at all? Yes. Why did that not make the Baylor game? Because footage? we didn't. No. We, we, we were going to jump in front of the stadium in the waterway. And then go to the boat and like wake surfing, so, but we couldn't. So we just expressed my fear of water. You know what I was going to do for this guy? I was going to swoop that stadium and land in the Brazos River right there in front of the stadium. But you won't scuba dive for Ben Nelson. Nope. Fuck you, Fuck Ben him. Nelson. 
but I will land in a river. He, like the fire department was going to be there with one of their boats, and these wake boats were going to be out there. I knew someone was going to. Pl- I was planning on actively drowning until someone <laughs> pulled me out of the water, but I knew that someone would get. Someone was going to get me faster than can I could. Can you drown. swim, dude? I'm so bad at it. But can you swim? If you put me in a pool right now and said uh, you have to make it to one side, one side to the other without touching the bottom, yeah, I could make it. Okay. But I would be a huff and puff and panicked mess the whole time. Can you tread water? Uh, not very well. I can, but like it's super, God, it's super stressful. It's just this primal little kid fear that has grown up with me that I'm just not good in the water. I don't want to be there. You know the secret? Be fat. We float. Yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> You're not fat anymore. Um, <laughs> I still have some good fat on me. Well, I have zero buoyancy. I sink like a rock. I think it's all my love of uh, hip hop. The hip-hop culture it rubbed off on me in more ways than I intended. All right, and with my slightly racist comment, AJ. So let's say people are uh, trying to hire you for some round three media. They need some professional business uh, video production. You just go to either our YouTube or our website, round3media.com, and find our contact and just send us an, e- an email. What's your favorite sort of video to make? Um any action adventure type stuff? I want a, outdoors uh, type I, stuff. I want a project you're going to be passionate about and give me your best. What does it look like? Outdoor uh, traveling, extreme sports adventures. Yeah, something that's off the wall. Are you going to provide the cute girls? Yes, we can do that. Okay, awesome. DJ, dude, this week we are doing something different, or I say unusual. I think this is will be the second or third week we've done it. We have two podcasts this week. So uh, one thing that's different is, Mr. P, you actually sit in there in the host chair. You're actually taking care of business oh, tonight. Well, hey, everybody. And uh, for once, I'm actually working the cameras and actually remember to put myself on it. It's a unique thing. We're going to go back to our normal setup. I'm going to be the host, and uh, I, I hope you do more hosting with some fucking killer guests. AJ, you fucking absolutely crushed it being here. Thank you. I've had a great time. This is awesome. Wednesday night, do you know who our guest is, AJ? No. Uh, Nick, do you know? Uh, Jesus, actually, the second coming is Jesus. happening, and he's making his announcement here on the podcast. So That's we are having the rapture. Buddy, Tom Noonan. <laughs> you, want, you want to tell everybody who Tom Noonan is? Tom Noonan is, this is not the reason we're having Tom Noonan on, but Tom Noonan is the director of tandem operations for UPT, the largest tandem manufacturer in the world. He's also worked for other tandem manufacturers and canopy manufacturers. Um, and despite having this fucking really phenomenal history in the sport, uh, what's more important to me is he actually is the chief tandem instructor for skydive or ever skydive is the proper name ever skydive expedition. Tom co-holds the record and there's only a handful of people who've landed at the highest elevation, 22,000 and some odd feet, 1,989 maybe. Um, and has, I don't know, made how many jumps in the last 13 years, every year into Everest. Dude, he's landed that I'm going to say it wrong. I'm a llama, I'm a llama, being a, I'm a, I'm a Bama Lama, something like that, base camp. I don't even know that name, so I'm already impressed. Dude, I have learned so much about, uh, dude, how many base camps there are for Everest is, is ridiculous. There's four base camps just for the primary mountain site, and then there's other base camps at the base of the mountain site. So Tom Noonan is going to share what it's like to skydive right next to fucking Mount Everest. He's going to share what it's like to land at 22,000 feet and what it would take you to, to actually make that skydive. So we're going to ignore the tandem world, which is both of our specialties, and talk about high-altitude skydives and, and Nepal, Kathmandu, and the journey that, that it takes to get there. 
So uh, ne- uh, this Wednesday night at 7 p.m., that's where we're going. But uh, Mr. P, what do you have to close? I don't think I have anything exciting, creative, or witty to say. So you could probably just start that music. There we go. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching, for listening. I, am I yelling right now? You should be. I turn I like the music up. I feel like I'm yelling. Uh, yeah, join us Wednesday. Tom Noonan. Uh, I'm Mr. P, DJ. AJ, thanks for joining us. I had a great time. We had a great night. Thank you, guys.